0: Hey, and welcome back to another episode of A Musician and a Filmmaker. Today, a very special episode. Indeed, we have two back-to-back interviews with two members of our favorite band, Animal Collective. The first interview, Greg did in person on the release date of Isn't It Now, September 29th, with Brian Waits, a.k.a. Geologist. The second interview, one I did over the interwebs with Josh Dibb, a.k.a. Deacon. Let's get right into it. Here's Greg's interview with Geologist.
1: Well, how are you feeling? Today's the the album release date.
0: I
2: feel good. I mean, it's been strange for us to be out here on the road and kind of wrapped up in our solo sets. And Josh and Noah are, you know, in Europe doing these listening parties. But the four of us have been talking every day and trying to, like, remind our. I think for them, it feels a little bit more real because they're, like, listening to the record every day. Or, to be honest, they're probably leaving the room, but, you know, they're, they're nearby. And answering questions and stuff so for us yeah it's you know driving on tour it's like you kind of almost forget what day of the week it is
1: oh i know exactly because i i shoot video for my friend's band and they just started touring and mm-hmm. uh yeah it was like even two days in you're just like wait what day even is it i don't even know because every day feels like it's three days long
2: yeah dave was just saying he, there's like a, a band called Simonde, and uh he was just saying that he has one of their songs stuck in their head and but like he wasn't facing me on the street when he said it and there was a lot of cars going by and so i just heard like something mumbling about some monday and i was like it's not it's not monday like (laughs) i was like i'm not quite sure but it's it's definitely not monday and then he was like no it's not what i said at all (laughs) (laughs) uh, but just goes to show and like we've already talked about like you know josh and noah text like on the band group chain like happy release day and Love you guys, hope it's going well over there, but still, like, for a moment, forgot that it was Friday, like, even...
1: So did you guys graduate to a text chain over an email chain?
2: D- yeah. It's okay. Been, I mean, it's been that way for a long time, but... I got
1: you. Yeah. Right, well, I recall, like, when Kind of Bonkers came out, y'all talking about how that was, like, born out of the email chain, of, like, mm-hmm. an experiment to try to write a song, like, piece by piece.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we were going to try and do a whole uh, EP that way, but, uh, yeah, I think that was the only one we finished.
1: Well, it's, it's just interesting how... I guess speaking of kind of bonkers, sort of how, like, I guess that song was in, like, the pipeline for something like six years before it it got a release. And then, of course, here we are now, and we're at Isn't It Now's release date, and Music Box was March of 2018. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be relieving to finally, like, go from that first, like, little sketch period to having it fully realized and having mass audiences be able to discover these songs instead of just people going, hey, have you heard the Music Box set?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it feels great. I mean, for me, I think the relief came like when it was done, and just like knowing it was gonna come out in the world. It coming out now is like it's a, it's bittersweet in some ways because there was like a push and pull between wanting to get it out really quickly, but for precisely what you just said, like it's been a long time. But also, like we like to tour when the record comes out and play those songs. But it's like for like you said, these songs we've been playing in some form or another for over five years. And also like last year was a heavy touring year, really heavy, in addition to like all the cancellations for COVID that came with it. And it was just stressful. And when you're going to book a tour these days, you usually have to do it like between eight and 12 months out. So once we set a release date for September, it was like really just after New Year's, like early 2023. And we were in no headspace to consider like touring again, you know, and normally we wouldn't like this would be kind of the year where he would do solo stuff. And we wouldn't even put out an Animal Collective record, but because we wouldn't have one to put out, you know, so. So it coming out now and, and not being able to promote it in the way that we normally promote it, like that's a sad thing, you know, to, to us, that we just knew we wouldn't be ready to tour it.
1: Well, I saw that you were talking to someone about how, you know, a lot of it is also just the fact that you guys are so busy, not in the band's capacity, like your solo careers and your full band stuff can often overlap in terms of, you know, the allotted advances or budgets or what have you that you have to deal with, with having a label. So yeah, for sure. It definitely makes sense that, you know, the promotion this time around wasn't as strong as Time Skips, but I think that that might've just been because, and this is me just speculating, it might just be because, you know, Time Skips was six years after painting with, and it was after that whole pandemic mm-hmm. wait. So it might yeah. have just been like a, the boys are back in town kind of hype.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. And for us too. I mean, I think we had energy at that time to to do things like rehearse and, and tour and spend time with each other on video sets and all the things that you normally do. But, you know, in part because we hadn't seen each other in a long time. So that was different. But like I said, trying to like start thinking about that and scheduling it like right after having to cancel a tour in Europe about a year ago, or a little less than a year ago, it was just like hard to, to think and uh, like just get ourselves in that frame of mind. So,
1: well, I guess as far as the songs themselves being on a record, is it because I remember I recall you guys recorded at least what we at the time thought was the entire album in what in like November or December of 2021
2: for isn't it now? Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah in the whole thing yeah. New
1: York, mm-hmm. and then you guys did a couple of later sessions.
2: Those were just mixing sessions.
1: Oh, okay. There wasn't any, like, overdubs or anything?
2: Mm, not that I recall. Yeah, no. I don't think so.
1: Well, basically, I guess what I'm getting at is that... I
2: mean, maybe, like, we replayed a keyboard line in mixing, like you know what I mean? But, like, if if we did if we did it, because we've done that in the past, it, you know, like, normally, like, somebody might hear something and be like, I just wish I played that, like, slightly better, and someone's like, well, just go, go see if there's a synth in the key, in, like, and, like, let's just plug it in and do it over. But it wasn't anything, like, significant. Like, nothing was, like, changed in the songs, you know? But honestly i can't remember if that happened for this record or not
1: so i guess what i'm getting at is that because you guys recorded it back then of course the fans hear that and i think we heard that around like i think uh when i saw y'all in atlanta at the eastern in march of 22 i think that had just it's my birthday been announced yes that yeah. was a great show mm-hmm, thanks uh, and i had covid that day oh really I, mean, I
2: didn't know at the time but yeah that's how yeah. I, that's
1: <laughs> actually a funny story when you guys rescheduled the dallas shows or the dallas and the austin shows Uh, Because of COVID, Mm -hmm. I went to but I went to Emo's in Austin and then drove back to Dallas the next day to see it at the Grenada, I think. Uh But I think Emo's was the one where I got COVID but didn't know it Uh until the shows were already over. And so I had to say, Hey, everyone that was around me, just double check that you didn't get it, also because I'm sure there was a a pin getting passed around. I had to do that
2: that for that tour, too. I mean. I think I got it in Nashville a couple days prior. There was like a, I woke up in the hotel and before like we got in the van, I wanted to get a bagel and I like mapped to a bagel place on my phone, but I didn't like quite see that the highway was in the way and uh, like on the map. So it said it was like a really long walk, like an hour walk or something. And I was like, it can't be, it's like right there. And then like when I went to go do it, I was like, oh, it's because the highway is in the way and you have to walk around. And there was a Waffle House, like literally right there, like in front of me when I made this realization, I was like, I'll go in the Waffle House and nothing like I love Waffle House. I'm not saying like, oh, it's always a great. Yeah, I'm not saying you get COVID at Waffle House, but like when I walked in, it was packed and like there was only one seat at the counter. And the guy that I was sitting next to was just like coughing like crazy. And it was the kind of thing where I just knew. And then. That was like two days before that Atlanta show. And then I drove home and started feeling sick. Like that was because that was the last day of the tour. Yeah. And I started feeling you sick. you sort of lucked out that it was. Yeah, I felt sick immediately. Like as like getting back to D.C. And, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it, that brain fog can immediately like start setting in. I, yeah. I think the worst part of it was for me, like when I was recovering, I would like start a thought process, get halfway through and then just give up because yeah. I didn't have enough mental energy to finish a thought. Yeah. It's how
2: I heard that that happened to a few people luckily like we were working on that movie the inspection
1: which i saw in theaters oh sweet yeah thank you so much i can't say there was anyone else in the room but i was there
2: thank you I appreciate <laughs> that but yeah we got back and we are we had like a zoom with the music editor and the director and everything just like a few days after that tour and we got on and i couldn't even turn on my camera i was just like in a ball you know sweating and like shivering and they're like we essentially need this score done in the next 10 days and like it's you know, four weeks worth of work that you're going to have to cram into 10 days. So like when I finished that score, like while dealing with COVID, I had an emergency room visit in the middle of it. It was like, yeah, so thank God the brain fog didn't happen to me. I just had the thing where I couldn't really even walk a few blocks to do, to do errands without having to, to find like a wall to sit down against for a while to catch my breath.
1: So the question I was trying to get to was because you guys recorded these songs so long ago, Relatively, mm-hmm. and the fans they think, you know. I think a lot of people just assume that as soon as you finish recording something, you can just hit upload, you know. But when you're in a professional band with a label and and you're in a studio and all this, you know, higher mm-hmm. quality stuff, you you have to. There's a process that has you have to go through.
2: You know, there's the difference between tracking and mixing. So I we were probably were just referring to tracking at that point. We didn't mix it until. April and then I don't think we then then we had to fix like another session in September about a year ago so uh
1: so are you just used to that have you been in a band long enough to where that cycle is just like doesn't even phase you anymore like the delay between recording something and getting it pressed on vinyl for example
2: no, because it's a little different than it used to be. It used to be such that, I mean, I'm a little used to like we track and then we take a break and, you know, we leave the studio with rough mixes from tracking and then people listen to it and like we we discuss mix ideas like, you know, what what are we thinking here for this song or is there something throughout the whole record like a mixing choice we want to make? Like we, we take some time, you know, it's a little different than, you know, this record we might have been able to do it because it's a little bit more straightforward in terms of its instrumentation but it's not like you're just like just get a good drum sound and a good bass and then like you know balance the elements like for us there's a lot more going on in the mix so and then, you know some of us have families and you know significant others like partners and we can't just devote the whole time so we're used to the break between the tracking and the mixing but we used to then like mix and get it mastered and send it to the record label and three months later it was on the shelf you know
1: but does that on-the-shelf period, does that frustrate you ever? Are you ever just, like...
2: A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, but, dude, now it's not three months. Now it's, like, eight months. Even because, like, vinyl's way more popular than it yes. used to be. And um, a few vinyl pressing plants have closed. So there's, like, this... And, like, you know, people, and, you like...
1: Know, Taylor Swift is doing four versions of her exactly. era's album. And yeah, so there's just so... this giant And more, more power
2: to her. Like, I don't... You know, but... No, but it... They're gonna press hers before they press ours. Exactly, so, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, So we, yeah, it like it now it's, I would kill for it to be like three months, you know, like it used to be, but yeah, it's always felt a little bit like once, once it's done, we want to get it out there. And it used to be dictated more by print media, like magazines, you know, when we started working on this schedule, it was like, oh, four or something, 2004, where when like magazines wanted to talk to us and we actually had to think about it, not just like, oh, it gets back from the pressing plant and then you send it to stores so you would have to like have the record done send it out and then people would let you know if they wanted to photograph you or interview you for a like a print feature and the print time for magazines was three months so like it was always dictated by that you know and you know we were a little resentful I think that you had to wait just because a magazine you know wanted to do a photo shoot or something, but, um,
1: is it still a three month wait now? Like to send out the press thing. I don't, I don't know.
2: Cause it's so did, you know, everything's so much more digital now. Like, you know, podcasts, things like this, like you, you all don't need like kind of the, the legacy, you know, old school print media stuff. Uh, it's not like the driving force of your coverage anymore. So, but so now, now it's really just those, those like the shipping, like the supply chain causes the, the delay now, not the media.
1: That's basically what whatever I tell people whenever they're like, stupid Domino, why isn't it out now? I'm like, uh, for reasons beyond their control, if you can believe that.
2: Yeah. Domino's a good record label. Yeah. They, they really are. They don't uh...
1: I can attest to that because they sent me an advanced copy of Defeat, the the promo vinyl, nice. and I didn't even ask.
2: And that was their idea. Like, I would love- <laughs> That to... was their idea. I was going to I would, I was I would love to say, like, we, I mean, we, we love the fact that people are so dedicated and You know, the only reason Domino would suggest that kind of thing is because they know that we like to do that kind of stuff. But that idea, and I think for the puzzle for Dave when he did Eucalyptus, like you were sent a puzzle. I don't know like where Domino got the idea, but they definitely like brought it to us as early as Eucalyptus and said like when we send fans like these surprise things in the mail physically, like they really like it and you guys have the fan base that we think would appreciate it more than anybody. So when now when you put stuff out, you know, if we can think of an idea far enough in advance we should do it so they got ahead of it with the defeat like a long time ago when we said we wanted to release it as a single they said like oh this you know because some of the domino people are on like they watch the message boards and stuff so if you insult them they'll see it
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh, yeah that's why i gotta (laughs) tell people to be careful you know
2: yeah but they they knew like right they were like it's great defeat is going to be on the record it's great you guys want to put it out we see how much people are excited about that song and like we're going to go through and we're going to like, they were the ones that knew that like picked the people essentially like based on comments they saw people making on the message board. So like not every record label would take the time to, to, to do that. Let alone, you know, like to think of the idea and then let alone to like, kind of make sure that like it was executed in that way. And
1: Well, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask if there was a ever a point where you guys as the band considered splitting defeat into multiple tracks at least on the list like digitally or just like a b and c or if it was always meant to just be one big
2: yeah it was always meant to be one big thing the only discussion about it was ever came up was like should it be on the record essentially i mean we didn't know what to do for the for isn't it now in terms of the track listing and we really wouldn't have known what to do if the pandemic hadn't happened you know because everything but soul capture was written at that point and so i don't know how many songs that what would that be like somewhere between like 16 and 20 songs right um, i think
1: there was speculation that the second album would be like just like an extended ep or like defeat would be an ep and then the album would be like which because there were so many yeah. longer songs y'all were debuting around yeah. that
2: time had we gone and recorded everything though in like early 2020 as we were supposed to we were looking at like april or may for studio dates and we were going to record everything and we really had no idea like what to do. Like we didn't go, we were not going to go into that with a plan of like, this is going to be the record and these are going to be the EPs and these are going to be B-sides. Like we had, cause every we felt good about everything. So we, we had no idea and it was like this tough choice and maybe like a tough conversation and like a tough meeting that was going to like lie at the end of it. And then COVID just kind of picked for us. And like, kind of gave us two records.
1: Well, I think that first week in October 2019, when y'all debuted that material, I was at that Tulsa show. Oh, killer! When y'all were first playing the new stuff, I like playing there a lot. Yeah, they have great sound there. Surprisingly, and we all like
2: JJ Kale a lot, so it's nice to play in his zone.
1: Yeah, and then like throughout that week, y'all were debuting more and more material, and then like by the end of it, we're tallying up. There's like 15 new songs, Mm -hmm. and we're like, you know, looking at the bootlegs. It's roughly an hour and a half of new music. As a fan, you're like, are they about to make a double album, like for the first time ever? Yeah. I mean, in a way, yes, but maybe not the way that, in traditional Animal Collective style fashion, not the way people would expect. Yeah. As other people do.
2: Yeah, we didn't know. I mean, and taking defeat off would have been the easy thing, and make like making a defeat EP would have been the easy thing, but that was such like a totemic song for us, like going back to that music box performance, and you know, even when Dave when Dave sent the demo, it was only like an eleven minute song, but it still had all those parts. And like, as more lyrics were written or whatever, and like, we kind of jammed from part to part, it, it became what it is now. And it just encapsulated so many of the different vibes of the record. And really was like the song in the music box that made us feel like when Josh and, and Dave and I were working on it in the few days leading up to that performance, we were like, like, we we have an idea of something like this is gonna, when everyone's done whatever solo stuff we were working on then, like, we have it now like we see it we see where we're going next so the idea of leaving defeat off was always left a bad taste in our mouth but and we didn't you know in the end we decided not to do it anyway well
1: i think a lot of fans myself included sort of speculated that because defeat was the closer of the music box set and there is this sort of like grandiose finality to it not that it would be your last song ever or anything but I think most people assume that oh, if it's going to be on an album, it'll be the closer because it is this big epic closing thing, and it could take up an entire side of a vinyl.
2: I had the same thought. That was my. I pushed for it yeah. to happen that way, but some people in the band felt like it actually would leave the impression that you thought of like, is it too much of a downer? No, I think the ending's really optimistic. You know, I, I start It was funny, like when even the four of us talk about it. Cause like, did you ever see this um, Swedish movie? Called Let the Right One In, like the yes. vampire movie?
1: I saw that in the subpar American remake, like back to back, just to cool. compare. I need to rewatch the original
2: though. It's really good. I actually just watched it not that long ago. Um again. And uh I remember at the time, like people thought the ending was really pessimistic. Like but, like for those who haven't seen it, it's like Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yeah. Um so there's like this girl vampire, but it turns out she's really old. She's just been stuck as like a eleven or twelve year old and You know she has that like older man who you think is her father but then and then like he dies she almost like and then she kind of replaces him with her friend who's like another 12 year old boy and they run off together and people thought it was this pessimistic ending like oh well he's going to age and she never is and so like essentially you're just watching like a loop and you just watched one loop end and now like another loop's beginning and like he's going to grow up to be the old man who eventually dies or she kills and when she meets another person her age and I remember that was posed to the director. Like I watched a QA or something with the director and he was just like well, that's a bummer, you all think that. Like that, that never occurred to me. He was <laughs> like yeah. I never saw my movie that way at all. Like it was to me it was like such a sweet love story and such like a hopeful, romantic, optimistic ending. And like I never saw that dark side. Whether he was being honest or not, I don't know. But is
1: is the ending scene? Is it the one with the pool and the bullies, or is that, like... It's from, right after. Is it right after it's that? When they're they're
2: like, on when they're on the train, and he has, like, a trunk, and right. they're, like, doing the little Morse code communication. Yes, okay, yeah. Communication. Yeah,
1: and yeah. that just that seems like, a, you know... Well, because, A, if you want to sit here and get pedantic about vampire laws, I mean, she could easily bite him at one point, and they could last forever True, together yeah. if they wanted. But I think it's also <laughs> just that they found a companion in each other, and they're...
2: Yeah, so oh, that's the way... Defeat was a little bit for us, where I was, I've always, I mean, I hear a lot of like melancholy in the song.
1: But it's like a bittersweetness. Yeah,
2: totally. And I think the ending for me has always left me in this place of feeling like, like acceptance and also optimism or like empowerment that like, you can accept something or move on. And what you know, regardless of whatever the subject specific subject matter is, I think other people in the band felt like, Oh, no, that's a downer ending. And like, also like the word like Noah was even like well defeats like the probably giving you too much inside baseball here but Noah was like defeats like the thing from like this era like that's what the record should be like instead of calling it like isn't it now, you know like I want it to be called defeat and you know other people were like that just makes it seem like we're giving up or like we've been defeated or something you know what I mean and it was like no it's like that's not really what I'm getting at it's just like that's the thing you know and then the only reason we didn't do that was because like we did the single called defeat and we were like to have like a single called defeat and the record defeat. And then isn't it now was like what well, we chose and we all grew to like that better. Like what was in the discussion? We grew to like that better, but yeah, we, we knew that that song, that title, those lyrics like could sort of implant ideas um, in people's heads. And I still wanted to be last on the record. That was another thing. Like a lot of times we have sequences and like, we're all like, we just know it. And, uh, for a long time we assumed defeat would be last and then all of a sudden like yeah everything i just recounted so we
1: we stuck it in the middle you know the movie clerks right yeah dante his his famous line when they're talking about which is better return the jedi or empire strikes back and dante goes i like empire because it's got a downer ending and that's all life is a series of down endings which of course he's a pessimist cynic at that point in the movie so it makes sense from his perspective but that quote always stuck out in my head anytime someone's like nah it's too much of a downer i'm like life's full of downers Mm -hmm. but that's the point of the song is that you just pick yourself back up and you keep going and then you know you get knocked it's like the chumbawamba song that everyone loves Mm -hmm. which by the way i'm expecting a cover of at some point in the future (laughs) so you 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 did mention that defeat was floated as an album title before isn't it now came around were there other album titles y'all considered that you would want to—is that too personal, or is there anything you'd want to? There probably were nothing that comes to mind. Nothing
2: that comes to mind. We all—we always joke about like growing up playing piano lessons and hearing like the composer, like we would call him like Claude Debussy, and like you know like you can say if being from Baltimore, like you can really like lean into like the is, you know. So like we sometimes joked about how we all say like Debussy with a Baltimore accent and. I've always wanted to call one of our records that, like Debussy with a Baltimore accent, and I thought this might be the one because there's some classical vibes, but those guys wouldn't go for it. They thought it was too jokey, yeah.
1: which it is. But I think you know. Yeah, well, I think, I think a lot of fans assume that Magicians from Baltimore, because it is such a like specific and a, like, a very animal collective title, that that would be the, the record title. If you were going to name a, an album after a song, which I know isn't your, your MO necessarily, or perhaps "Sea of Light," the lyric from Genie's Open. Of course, that was the original yeah. acoustic version's name, and then because I, I think because uh, there is that correspondence between time skips and isn't it now mm-hmm. where they come from the same initial batch that in the title there would also be a thematic similarity like you're writing a time skiff on the sea of light or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? But again, that that's why good. we love animal collective <laughs> is because you guys always do the thing that we never expect.
2: Yeah. we've Yeah. Magicians never came up as a title and there were no other songs where we thought like that would be the title other than defeat. So yeah, aside from my jokey title, I don't really remember. But. Well,
1: I, I still, for one think Dave's idea to change the band's name to the painters for an album would have been great. Oh yeah, because we already got t- campfire songs, which yeah, I know was retro. I know it would have
2: been going back to our thing. Yeah, you know. Dave so- and I still do it. We decided to start naming our side projects, other things from Animal Collective, you know, and uh, they're low profile enough that Domino doesn't care if you know that Domino doesn't even put them out. So um.
1: yeah, speaking of New Psychoactives, just did a volume three mm-hmm. with the Bug Mall installation. Is there any? Is that just like sort of a thing where? Like you have ideas saved up and then you come to Dave with it or, you know, vice versa. Or is it like you sit, you're like, I'm in the mood to make something. Let's just do like a new psychoactives and have fun with it. And there's no pressure.
2: So the first two are like that. The first two new psychoactives. Bug Mall, our friends who run Drop of Sun Studios in Asheville, there's like also a gallery kind of art residency space. And we had close friends, Close Space Arts, the... Uh, art group in Asheville they actually do Dave's t-shirts that he wears on stage every night and also the ones he sells on tour Oh, cool Um, and they were doing this this full installation called bug mall in this artist residency space in West Asheville and they reached out to Dave about doing music and he asked me like and they you know they were like it's a it it is what it sounds like it was like I'm all for bugs you know was like what the thing looked like and he wanted to work on it as a, like, they brought him the idea. He wanted to work on it as a duo. And we didn't discuss, like, what it would be at all as we were working on it. We just, we threw out, like, it should be somewhere between, like, 40 and 50 minutes of music. And so, because it was going to loop nonstop. So we we wanted to think about how much time someone might spend in there. And, and yeah, it turned, I don't know. I can't remember how many songs we we did.
1: Was the uh, Painting With debut at BWI, did that influence that decision at all? Like, the runtime thing? Because you guys did loop that album for, like, 12 hours. No, I
2: can't remember. That Dave might have even gotten, like, a, a request from the artists th- about that time limit. Um, so I can't remember. But it was after it was done, and they said, like, what do you guys want us to credit you at? Like, when you know, once the thing opens, it opened around New Year's last year, um, or, like, during the holidays in December and we just did it in like a few weeks and uh like i think we worked on it for two weeks and we were, were really psyched on it i can't remember the exact i think dave, dave just like called me and was like hey they they need to like list us as the musicians what are you thinking like i, I and then we were like ah, i think we might have just made new psychoactive volume three like let's like it kind of this feels more like that than wanting to be maybe Terran geologist or animal collective and so we just that's how it came to be
1: and as far as like the future of that project that's just is that just like a thing where if the idea comes along you you will fall into the motion of it or is it yeah. something you just like like we, you wake up one day mood. you go I want to make a new new psychoactives
2: It's it's both. I mean, Dave, like we always intended Animal Collective to feel like some sort of an ecosystem or a universe that would have different organisms and niches and areas to go and it's tough again cuz I don't really like go on the I don't go on the message boards or social media that much but i do get the sense i mean this that like because i meet people on the road we do have like a, a lot of younger fans that have almost come up like seeing things a little bit more separate than we see them in terms of like and and not that that that's on them like we operate this way because of the music industry that like there's like records that we promote and we tour that are more like song based the mainline like, albums, yeah and yeah. they're like more like trad or you know like
1: well, that's also a subject of debate. Like, what constitutes mainline? Like, Odd Sack or Holland again, yeah, or, or Tangerine
2: like that. Reef, or right, you know, exactly. all that stuff. I mean, we take all those projects as maybe. I mean, it's tough because, like, to do like well, that's a good phrase, mainline album. Like, they usually like require more resources and getting together, and you know, things like Bug Mall, Dave and I made completely remotely. It was just like we had like a shared session online and it's all we and we wanted to make like an all synthesizer record like i don't know if you've heard it but it's like it's yeah. all it's all synths like either my modular there's like even things that sound like field recordings are like not field recordings on there
1: what so. i like about bug mall is that it's a little deceptive because you get like the first 20 minutes that's like sort of that ambient meeting of the waters amazon rainforest kind of soundscape and then you get to like where the actual like there's like a couple hidden like real pop yeah. songs with a beat in there which i yeah. songs with a beat in there which i i mean we just thought
2: about spending a day at the mall and we were or like if like someone had like a, was just making like a documentary like a you know like an invisible camera floating through the mall and like it's a like, cinema verite kind of yeah thing. and there's be like so maybe like the first half we talked a lot about like you're just kind of hanging around like the fountain in the atrium and there's like the like the bird that's like gotten stuck and it's like flying up there and and then it was like oh and now this is when like the, you know, cause we grew up in the eighties and like going to malls and, you know, and now it's like kind of back with the stranger things the, you know, people are like into that aesthetic and that thing. Yeah. Um, I think
1: more people get liminal space photos from malls nowadays than they do like products. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. We went to one today actually. We'd to see the Meow Wolf thing. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I went to the one in Santa Fe for this tour. Mm-hmm. I'd never been there before to any Meow Wolf. For Animal Collective befo- or for AV? Taylor. For AV. Uh-huh. Uh, did the whole art exhibit, saw the show. It was a great experience. And then, this place opened up like a two months after we went to that, so I'm still waiting to go to yeah. that one because you know cool. it's a big tourist attraction. Everyone's mm-hmm. gonna go and it wasn't explore. that packed.
2: It was it was cool.
1: Well, it also yeah. depends on what time you want to. That's true. We available. were there
2: at like one today or twelve. Um, but yeah, then the the second side we we're like, oh, this is when like the shopping spree montage happens, or like now we're in the food court and these are like the condiment pumps, like you know, operating as if they're song. This is like now it's holiday season and there's like a train you know, display or something. So we, we thought a lot about like, what would you experience? Like what we thought about, like our mall memories and just kind of like shot them back and forth to each other. And then in specific malls to like the mall I grew up going to outside of Philadelphia, like lots of things. And as we like kind of went through them back and forth, we just picked out different moods and like scenes or memories that we essentially wanted to soundtrack. And that's how, what became, you know, bug mall. We like doing those things because it's, it's really a side of us that we want to express and we hope it's people that are into animal collective have like a broad range and but even if they don't it's cool that they can pick and choose the sides of animal collective they like but dave and i definitely have that side to us and it's yeah it's hard to know when we'll be inspired but we have another thing too that we did that is not new psychoactives and it had to be billed as animal collective it was on that audubon there was, like, a, a compilation for the Audubon Society. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh. It's a song called Brown Thrasher. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's, like, he does all the acoustics, and I do all the electronics. Um, although I played Hurdy-Gurdy on that track. but And we really loved making it, and so we've talked about, like... And, and that felt a little different to us than Animal Collective, even though it was kind of in the meeting of the waters zone. But we've thought about, like, should that be a, another side project... Like continuing down that road, like exploring that combination of him just handling all the acoustics and me handling all the electronics, you know.
1: Well it's definitely fascinating to see how the different combinations of the four of you working as Animal Collective have appeared over the years, like Josh and Noah doing Noah's Ark in Japan or mm-hmm. you and Josh doing Suspend the Time. Yeah, and for... Josh and I
2: do most of the I mean Dave did a little on um, inspection, but Josh and I do most of the scoring stuff together and like that you know, again, for like promotional reasons is released as animal collective. Right. Um, but he so he and I like collaborate a lot on those. Like we just did another one this summer, but the film's not out yet, but it was for a documentary on like jetty construction in rockaways. It's like beautiful kind of impressionistic thing about the construction of the jetties post hurricane Sandy. Um, so we did like a whole nother score uh, this summer that hopefully will be released as well. But
1: well, I just watched a few documentaries about uh, the Crofts, the the French couple that were like the volcanologists. Then they like oh, I heard about. It. Then they got like yeah. vaporized. Yeah, in Japan, yeah. they got like wiped out. I heard that, uh, that is, with uh, like no time. Worth but I'm watching it, and I'm like, if this wasn't a Werner Herzog movie, I can see this having an animal collective score to mm-hmm. it because it is sort of just like the extreme opposite of like a Tangerine Reef, yeah, where you have all these relaxing bright colors, and then you got you know death and destruction.
2: His Some of his soundtracks, you know, did you see Encounters at the End of the World? Yes. Yeah, and he's, like, listening to all those underwater recordings yeah, of like seals. Yeah, we used all that stuff on, not that, like, but even prior to that, we had used it. Because, like, you know, I used to work in marine science in D.C., so I had access to some recordings. So if you listen to sea lying on water curses, it's actually, like very similar recordings from the Arctic of like the same species that like he's listening to through the oh, ice, cool. you know, that's like,
1: know that. well, I actually wrote a, I took a 20th century composers class in college. Cause it was part of like the core mm-hmm. for my major, which was just movie and film and stuff. And they brought up, uh, speaking of Debussy or Debussy,
2: say with a Baltimore accent,
1: Yeah, that's, Debussy, <laughs> that's all I know how to do, uh, in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> We had to basically compare, like, a song that we knew that isn't a classical work to a classical work that was, like, on a list. And so I think it was, like, Estampes, uh I don't actually know, it's, like, a well-known Debussy selection, mm-hmm. but I used Seal Lying as my comparison oh, for my paper, nice. and I got, pretty sure I got an A on it, so. Nice.
2: That definitely influences a lot of Dave's piano playing, especially from back then, um.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people assume that anytime something has like marine related uh, animals or creatures in the title, that you have a heavy influence on it, like baleen sample, which I don't even yeah. think
2: no, you were i there don't. for. No, I wasn't. Right. But Sea Lying, I definitely brought that like underlying sound collage of just the electronics and the seals, the Weddle seals is what the species is. And I brought those and I brought some samples of walruses that we eventually used on Cuckoo Cuckoo. But they oh, were wow. just to, like, use, like, in songs. But for sealing like, whatever, like, bed of sound I made, we ended up not, like, chopping up into other samples. And, and I don't remember how that song started, but, like, what took shape. But it basically was, like, I'm going to play this thing, and then, like, the rest of the guys just kind of played on top of it. You know? Well,
1: it's always interesting to hear, like, how you can incorporate stuff that you record uh, out in the field or whatever uh, on the record. Like, for example, on Meriwether Post Pavilion, you use like crickets as part of the percussion or like the rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And then I think recently I was just out and there were crickets like at the same tempo as something like um, like uh, Guy's Eyes or I can't recall specifically what song, but I just like heard that like tss, 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 tss in the background and my brain goes, hey, is geologist around anywhere? Because, <laughs> you know. Speaking of sea creatures, you once said that your favorite Animal Collective album was Dance Manity. Do you still feel that way?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know if I think about things like that so much anymore. I think I liked Dance Manity at the time because it just felt so unlike anything and it, like that was really the wreck. like Spirit was before that, but Spirit felt a little bit more like the end of high school stuff or like the end of like the teenage years. There was just something about it that didn't like feel like new york to to us you know it was felt like dave you know dave primarily did it back at his parents house in baltimore and i know it was going back there during the summers and then but dance manity was like the thing about dance manity was it was when like we were already doing that when spirit came out so for people in new york to hear spirit and get like interested and in, it was just like the i don't know there was like an excitement to it and and just feeling like like can we do this and getting a practice space with black dice and going on tour there were just it was just the beginning you know of so much and i definitely don't think that record sounds as good as it should like we did like the all the live tracking on tape the same machine in the same place that dave did spirit actually like we came back from new york and and did it and sounded so good just like some of my electronics and synthesizers no on drums, Dave on guitar, no vocals even. But it took up all the tracks on the thing. So we were like, all right, well, we got to like that first playback. So that like those things were in my head. Like we did all the songs. Then we just like put the reel back on and we like played them back and got like the drums balanced and whatever. And we we're like, oh, my God, this sounds so good. But we're going to have to condense this now to two tracks onto like a digital eight track that we had. And then we'll do the overdubs on those. And we didn't know what we were doing when we did that transfer. We didn't know anything about compression or limiting. So,
1: well, I know uh, that was, you You recalled way back when about how you, there were like certain frequencies that you were able to achieve on Spirit that didn't necessarily come through on dance because of the technical limitations. Yeah, like on Spirit,
2: time. it was all done on tape, which is very forgiving. And this like going between the analog and the digital, there were like certain precautions that we learned many years later that we should have done but it's cool i mean dave and i have been i hadn't listened in a long time we had to relearn we haven't played all good country since the fall of 2000 yeah i was gonna ask so that, that one we had to relearn out of nowhere yeah we were trying to think of something we knew we were gonna do man of oil we always do it and we were like we should do more than one and he was like well, he was like when was the last time we, we thought about playing this like this one could be good and they're You can play them both in the same key with the hurdy-gurdy, even though one's in a major and one's in a minor. You can, like, the hurdy-gurdy is only, like, a fifth. Like, it has, like, the root note and then the fifth. And then you can change, like, go from major to minor if you want. So it was like, oh, they're both in the... We can make them in the same key. And I don't know.
1: So we talked about, I guess, well, okay, let's do this one because we just talked about the hurdy-gurdy a little bit. Mm -hmm. You played that on stage and you've done the gong during defeat. Is there anything on Isn't It Now that is similar to that? Because I, I know that the personnel list came out recently, and I don't think there was anything credited to you other than, like, synthesizers, hurdy-gurdy, and, you know, your usual geologist-isms. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that you, like, hid in the mix that you think most people will I play the acoustic guitars
2: notice? on Sea of Light. Or whatever, the second on Genie's, Genie's open. open, yeah.
1: What's your take on the, uh like... But do you I get can... too attached to the demo titles before the the group decides on a final title like do you sometimes yeah yeah do you uh-huh. like because i know some people like the, there's the fan names of course like turn into something country fuck or yeah. summertime clothes bear hug that kind of stuff
2: so well genie's open was like noah noah doesn't often name his demos or he didn't for this time anyway um, Like car
1: keys was 24 yeah yeah so
2: he just um they just have numbers that that hasn't been the case for every record like for painting with they all had titles and for mario they all had titles so, but this this one, it was just like a lot of times he didn't even have lyrics. So it was just like just the numbers. So that was like PB 30, like Panda Bear 30 is the beginning of that. And then they had Sea of Light that we knew we were going to do. And I don't remember when we fused them. But it was then it was Dave's idea, actually. Dave was like, I like, we really like this thing of Noah's, but it was kind of on the short side. You know, it just like repeats that thing a couple times. And. We really liked it but we weren't sure like how to start it how to end it and i think it was dave that said like well i'm not sure how we should start sea of light and i imagine something like that one starting sea of light why don't we like why don't we try and like it's just like in the practice phase let's try and play this and let's try and like improvise our way into sea of light so it was always like pb30 sea of
1: light kind of thing and then i don't remember when that title Right. So we talked a bit earlier about like songs going in specific orders on the track list, what would defeat up for contention. I'm wondering how much of that the final order of something is like y'all take into consideration the the streaming side of it versus like the vinyl, the practically having to press it to a physical record, like the, the space of how each song can fit on a side. How much of like all that goes into how you consider it? Or is it just this is the order we like? Now, how do we make it work with the limitations?
2: Yeah, it's always the latter in the band. Definitely other people around us like bring up streaming. Like we recorded Gemini and Broke Zodiac for Time Skiffs and we just didn't think that they sounded as good as they could. Um, And we took them off. But Domino had heard like normally we don't really like send them the record till it's all finished, but just the nature of COVID and you know, everything we, we sent it to them. We said like, we did like 11 songs. Like th- this is what we're sending to um, mastering. And then in between that and actually going to mastering, we, we took them off and we just said like, I think it was like, we were going to go back and like try and tweak the mixes again. And the, and we just decided like, you know what? Like, they just don't sound as good as when we're, in the room playing together so let's try it again on the next record
1: well i think it's interesting how the um the there's like a bit of a yin and a yang between time skiffs and isn't it now with like some of the more like stuff like royal and desire or passerby being on time skiffs when your brain might think oh it goes with the other batch of songs yeah so it's kind of there is a little bit of a venn diagram to it
2: well yeah i mean but i remember domino was like can you please put those songs back on time skiffs and we're like why they don't They're not their best versions. Like they're like because Broke
1: Zodiac is a single, damn it. Yeah,
2: especially the old Broke Zodiac was fast, and they were like, Gemini can, you know, was gonna. They thought like Gemini could be like a great like summer playlist. Like they thought in terms of like what can get playlisted, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't, we didn't care. Yeah. (laughs)
1: um. Yeah. No, I I think maybe the only time I heard y'all say anything about that was painting with and dave saying something about how subconsciously there was maybe an attempt to sort of streamline the lengths and the poppiness of it for not that you guys make it for the appeal of the mainstream but mm. like it, it would be a, a nice side effect if that you know yeah if he, said,
2: if he said that i'm sure that was more of a side effect thing. because Floridata is like
1: a radio song like hundred yeah. percent.
2: But the idea for that had been floating around for so long, not Florida specifically, but right. that idea like David Noah, you know, especially like being in the van on tour, like, and you, you sometimes don't want to listen to these like long psych rock epics, you know, There, someone's just like, I got to stay awake. Like just put on the Beatles, put on the strokes, put on the Ramones, like just like, give me, put on like the Boston record, you know, like just like put on something with these like pure, concise pop songs you know and like in those moments it would lead to discussion like well, neither of us write songs like this ever you know and like it seems like a challenge and i wonder if we could do it and but that conversation went on like it started long before painting with you know and before streaming
1: so we were talking about let the right one in and actually that is sort of related to a question i have for this because our podcast is a musician and a filmmaker we do an album and we do a movie And we want to spotlight, isn't it now? Because, of course, Mm -hmm. you've granted me the time and I'm fortunate enough to speak to you today. But we also want to talk about the album in depth. I'm wondering is there a movie that you can think of that would pair well with the aesthetic of the album or the sounds on it that comes to mind? Or, like, because, for example, like you guys were when you were recording Painting With, you had. The, the the lore of it is, or of course, the soundbite that's in every interview is we had reels of old dinosaur movies playing on a projector and the kiddie pool and all that stuff. So I'm wondering, is there like anything sort of in that vein that's true that comes to mind for stuff. this?
2: I don't know. I think, you know, there's a streaming service called Shutter and we actually, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I haven't heard anything back, but, you know, when people are trying to think of like ideas to promote the record. Dave and I were like, "Get us the guest curator spot on Shutter, you know, and we'll think about that would this, be perfect we'll think about this precise question that you're asking, okay. us, but like we haven't been asked yet, and we haven't done the work to really like think about it, but I think you could probably go with some full car stuff like, uh, like Blood Mandy? on Mandy hmm?
1: like Mandy the no. Nick cage movie no, or... I'd
2: say like Blood on Satan's Claw or Valerie in your Week of Wonders or v. I don't know if you've ever seen these are all like older movies uh like 60s and 70s movies but shutter does have like a full car collection already on there well when you you said shutter my
1: brain thought mandy because that's actually a shutter original i think they i know i can't to watch it it actually it's really good uh, it's one of nick cage's best performances although i think pig surpasses it mm -hmm. but it's a lot he's a lot more low key in pig
2: we did a uh, pitch to score a new nick cage project i thought I, i really wanted it too but uh, I can't talk much more about it because I think I signed That's an NDA, fair. but... Well, what we um, can
1: talk about is the Red Dead Redemption game, mm-hmm. mountain game, the song. I think when that comes out six years after the game and y'all say, oh, we made this Red Dead Redemption, but it got rejected, so here it is now. I'm curious how that even came about. I don't know if we ever got the, the inside baseball story on that.
2: Well, it came about in the same month my son, first child, was born. So my brain is... uh, It's not going to... R- recall that that took precedence, I got you um i I might say a lore that might not be true because okay. again, I might be like conflating things, but um somebody had like proposed a collaboration I can't remember with who but do you um, think
1: it was can you speculate that maybe it had something to do with the popularity of Meriwether Post Pavilion and how y'all were like the indie darlings of the of the scene at that minute
2: maybe, but I don't think that was the side of us they wanted. Uh, I think it was more like people and, you know, like somebody, like it was a music supervisor in New York and he knew, I think, more like sung tongs and, you know, like he knew we were capable of that. And, um,
1: well, if there was one album I would put over Red Dead Redemption, it would be like Campfire Songs is like
2: that. Or I think open. Josh and I kind of eventually did it with Crestone. Like Crestone to me is like my spiritual, especially the songs I did on Crestone because, like, we kind of did it a little bit split. Like, we play on each other's tracks here and there, but some of it's like that's Josh and that's some of it's that's Brian.
1: But you're getting that similar like visual inspiration from the landscapes. Of yeah, I, I used to live in
2: I used to that, live in Arizona for a long time. Right. So like you know, wanting to do like a, I always wanted to do like a solo record that would be sort of like a weird cosmic, instrumental cosmic country, thing. You know, but KLF did it with chill out really well. And there's a gazillion ambient pedal steel players out there right now. But anyway, that's, I think, what they wanted from us, Red Dead Redemption. But Dave had been asked to do another project. And again, since, like, Noah was, Noah and I both had children that summer. So, like, Dave was like, well, I'll do this thing solo. And he wrote Mountain Game for that. And then that fell apart, whatever session he was supposed to do. Red Dead Redemption called and Dave said, like, I just wrote a song that I have nothing to do with. Like, do you guys want to? come up and so I went up to New York for just a day worked it on with him Noah sent his parts remotely we sent it in to them and they were like this really wasn't what we were looking for guys sorry and that was that
1: y- y'all scored movies like Crest Stone and, and The Inspection and the upcoming maybe untitled documentary
2: I think it's just called Jetty
1: it's just, oh okay yeah. is, is that a, was there any like joke in the group chat about how Noah has that song last night at the Jetty and that's the project y'all are working on now no or? but I mean the
2: director actually has worked with Noah before he did the he did the video for, I think, for Surfers Him. And he did some stuff, like, you know, if you've seen, like, there's footage of Noah in Lisbon around when the Grim Reaper record came out. It's, like, almost like an electronic press kit, like an EPK kind of a thing. Yeah. um, Is that,
1: that, the, that, like, guy. him and Pete in that video? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. it's that guy. And, uh, oh, that's cool.
2: Sam Fleischner is his name. So, so
1: yeah. Odd Sack was, like, a four or five year process, right? Of, like, that give and take with you, y'all and Danny Perez, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three that- and a
2: half, four years, yeah.
1: And y'all have collaborated with him on video since then. I'm curious if y'all have the like urge to do another odd type project, or is it just because y'all have gotten to a certain age and you're so spread out that it's not as practical to.
2: Yeah, it kinda... wasn't practical back then, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but I, I love doing it. And yeah, working on something like that, you know, which, you know, we called it a visual album at the time. And there's been some back and forth about whether we should just release the audio on Spotify, I definitely am in the camp of like I'd prefer not to. Noah's I think on my side, um, as well. The other two guys I think could go either way. Um, But like Danny was
1: separating the songs because Danny was
2: just such a strong part of it. Like he was in the studio with us and he had he took the vocal booth and turned it into like an like an editing suite for himself. And we literally were just like passing files between the two rooms. And he would you know we would like he would hand us some footage we would score to it we would give it back to him and then he might change something and or we would say to him like hey so like compositionally it made sense for this beat to land here but like you have a cut that's just like a couple seconds later can you change that cut and he would do it or sometimes he would make a cut that he's like I just can't look at this any longer or like if this fades into this thing it looks really great but like musically it doesn't line up and then we would go back and change what we did and it's almost like he's like a fifth band member. So to me, it's like putting up the songs removes a band member's contribution from a song. So that's why I'm not in favor of it. But uh, but doing that kind of stuff, like that process that uh, that I just mentioned, which is, is why I'm not into the separation, but doing it it's like was a lot of work and a lot of time. So yeah. very painstaking. No, making
1: right a movie, there. I can tell you from experience, is a pain in the ass no matter what. Size or shape or scale, you yeah. know? Especially when it's something like that where there is, like, a blending of the, the two mediums. Yeah. So this is a a question of... I asked on the Discord server uh, if anyone had any questions for you. So someone asked, well, do you have an the earliest memory of, like, the first time you sampled something for like, just messing around, experimenting, or, like, a sound collage type of thing? Like, is there a, me- a specific memory that comes to mind of, like, the first time you sort of played around with that?
2: hmm It was, like, in 11th grade, I want to say. So, yeah, when I was, like, 16, Dave and I were already getting into, like, horror movie soundtracks and curious about it, and I, I couldn't tell you, like, what it was, but just, like, making our own, like, sounds around the house and sometimes putting them on a dictaphone and then like playing the tape back and messing with the speed. So we had this, yeah, we had again, like going back to the early roots of animal collective. Like we had this band Automine that was like the two of us and some other friends. Eventually Josh joined that. And then we, he introduced us to Noah, but like Dave and I had a side, a few side bands too. One was called Wendy Darling. Um, we had another one. It was called dark ages, which is when we, in that we did what I'm talking about. But in Wendy Darling, we did, too. Again, we were, like, 17, I think, just recording things off TVs, recording things off records, or, like, spinning a record backwards, you know, and, like, recording that onto cassettes and stuff. Cool. All
1: right, so I really don't have much else that I wanted to ask. I guess we can talk about the Tucson tracks, since that's just out now. So where did the songs on it come from? Is it from... Is it just, like... It was just a
2: clearing thing. Like, I did both of those songs in my live set a long time ago right. and I usually find my solo music more fun to play than ever to listen back to I don't know if other people mm. feel the same way I hope they don't but um so like I, I rarely have like an interest in tracking it you know like I like to put out live recordings mm. but for those two it was like early in the pandemic and I thought about putting out a 12 inch just to get me through and like they weren't on the the first they weren't in the first tape I did they were not like part of the performance that was recorded that night i may not have even written them by that point so like i still had the samples and the loops and everything for them and i was playing them live on the tour i did with noah tour i did with dave and like some other shows like with gang gang dance and i just there was no like record of them and again dave and our friend have started this cassette label dosed and uh he really liked those songs when i used to play them and um he's a close friend of mine he's always asking me like is there a project we can work on together? And I was like, well, you know, I during the pandemic, we mixed those two tracks together. And then I just didn't put out the 12-inch. It just became, I was like, why am I trying to put out vinyl during this time? It's like life is already too crazy. So I sat on them. I didn't do anything with them. And I was just kind of content with never putting them out. But once Dave and, and our friend Adam started this cassette label, I was like, hey, well, we worked on... We were we already worked on like a single together four years ago and we never did anything with it like if you guys want to put it out you can do it and also I'm gonna play some shows so if you get it done by the shows I'll bring them on the road but yeah so two soundtracks I did 2019 and the other one super was uh 2018 I'm gonna try I'm probably just gonna give all the money away to charity or something but uh it was just about getting something out of my head off my hard drive and out into the world you know right Well, I Um, think
1: that part of the allure of your live stuff is that we don't know if, like, you're performing it might be the only time it's ever seen or witnessed in public. Like, I saw you at, was it Gasa Gasa in Mm -hmm. New Orleans in 2019? Tucson
2: Tracks would have been the first song I played there.
1: Okay, well, now I can go back in my recording and (laughs) and amend that. Because if it's something that we don't know from Live in the Land of the Sky or something that you explicitly say, this is the name of this. Yeah. It's just going to have new song in brackets. You mm-hmm.
2: know? So. I have a lot. I mean, I'm trying to change that. Again, it's a thing about, like, I have a lot of fun playing stuff more than I like listening back. But I made a record last year with a friend or for a friend for his birthday, and I think that's coming out next year. We just have to decide on titles.
1: I was going to ask about that record because it was, it was like he played guitar – samples and then you sort of like took them and and manipulated them. Is this the same project you're talking about?
2: Yeah, where did you have I talked about this already? I think probably? you
1: talked about it in an interview, but we just wanted to I'm uh, um, really just curious about if there were any updates on that.
2: So it's more like he he made Instagram videos and I thought they were really beautiful.
1: Kind of like Josh on his piano sort yeah, of working just, out that kind of stuff to totally.
2: And the entire record is sourced from those Instagrams. Like I I didn't I just like took them and I chopped them up and I put them into my modular and made new compositions so like you generally can't like recognize anything from the original videos or whatever um and i just gave it to him as a birthday present because he had wanted to finish a record for by his 40th birthday and he hadn't and so i made it this as like a birthday present because i was really inspired to do it so i worked on it and it came together fairly quickly just for me in my studio and i gave it to him and was like you did make a record because literally every sound on here is you like if you Took away everything that's you, it would just be complete silence. So, like, congratulations, happy birthday, you made a record. Don't be bummed. But musically, it's all done. It's just, and it just needs to, uh titles and artwork. You know, again, some of the other projects like kind of come and go. And then yeah. I just wrote a whole new set, which actually, and I really like what I'm doing now. So, I might try and actually record this stuff, but we'll see. I mean, you can let me know at the end of the night if it was more fun to listen to than for me, oh, to play, well, I'm don't.
1: already gonna <laughs> record it anyway. Yeah. So. I have a blast playing it. So yeah. um
2: so I I hope it's fun to listen to.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, well, I I don't I think as far as like maybe the fun of it comes out of trying to dissect the different like noises that you're able to accomplish at the different because there is so much like free form like structure to the songs that mm-hmm. sometimes you have to like unless it's like a hard cut into the next thing, you really do sort of have to gauge like where am I gonna split these two tracks cuz you know it's it's in your in your oeuvre to constantly do the blending of the two the end of one song and the start of the next like with animal collective or any other project so this stuff's
2: no different actually one of those songs from that instagram record i'm gonna play tonight and like i have added stuff to it since then but the
1: version on the record won't
2: have my added stuff to it but interesting
1: all right well that's a that'll be a nice treat for those that were able to make it out to yeah. the tour, i guess yeah so the the only other thing i wanted to ask is you still do the o'brien system monthly mm-hmm. are there any plans to um because 2019 was a pretty prolific year for that show i think in terms of the amount of like unheard animal collective goodies you were able to sort of show oh, yeah? off either throughout throughout the show like crispy pops or like mm-hmm. the penny dreadfuls demo at the end of a show do you have any plans to show anything from this era or maybe like from 2018 to now as like sort of like a way to cap off the era. I did one already,
2: but Domino asked me not to to list it in the track listing cuz I didn't realize it at the time.
1: Oh, so th- this is you saying, "Hey fans, go look for the Easter egg." Go No, there, di- there have been in some in other Easter eggs. You'll like I it. I ended one show
2: after we put like Prester John into Shazam, like it was Shazamable. Mm-hmm. And I put like or, like, maybe some of the other songs from Times Gifts, I put, like, intros and outros in the O'Brien system that are, like, on that record. Oh, interesting. And we were wondering, like, will somebody like this enough, like, that they will Shazam it and see that it's, like, part of the new Animal Collective record. Nobody did.
1: I think it's because, (laughs) yeah, it's because I think you play so many different types of music that, you know people might assume that it's just part of the thing that's on the track list. Like, yeah. Oh, the song's going here now. Yeah. Like whenever you debuted that lifted collab that Noah did mm-hmm. and it was just like a bunch of question marks.
2: I think Jeremy Hyman guested for that episode. That's, oh, that's he right. Put yeah, it yeah, there. yeah. But I did the challenge, which was like the B side to the defeat 12 inch. Oh yeah. Um, not the white label, but like the actual 12 inch. Right. I made that in the spring and I put that on an O'Brien system like at the end and then domino was like hey you know the defeat 12 inch was like a limited thing and like again because they were thinking about people that spent their money on it they were like we we feel bad for the people that spent their money to get this exclusive track on the b-side and like we you know we weren't going to release it digitally but you kind of just made a digital version because you can always go back and listen to the streams of NTS. Right. So I won't. Were,
1: I won't say that their player is necessarily the best for yeah, skipping. Yeah, no, ground, I agree. But, but
2: they still felt like.
1: But hey, listen to the whole show. Yeah. Brian put a lot of work <laughs> into it.
2: So the, so Domino was like trying to. They wanted to be considerate of like the people that had bought the twelve inch. So they were like, yeah, it, it's cool if like NTS like art still archives the show. Like we don't want them to delete it off their server, but just make it harder to find. So like don't, don't like list it in the playlist that right. you did it. You well, know?
1: especially cause you used to do the monthly, I don't know if you still do it. You still do the Instagram post on the main. Yeah, I just don't and go on Instagram the...
2: so much anymore. So, um, and I didn't like having to go on. I, I do go on for the stories. Like NTS asked me to like post, like if I have a show that day, mm-hmm. but I'd rather just do like a roundup at the end of the year. Although Instagram doesn't let you do like more than 10 photos. So I can't do the,
1: you can't do 12. I can't do 12. Yeah.
2: But, um, and usually a year is 13 playlists. So I haven't figured out what I'll do at the end of this one, but yeah. yeah. So like the challenge was in there. I don't know if people, people have heard that, right? Like that's out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, uh, you know that the nature of a band like Animal Collective is that stuff will inevitably leak. No mm-hmm. matter as soon as people get their hands on it, it, it spreads like wildfire. You know, isn't it now notwithstanding the fact that it leaked a month ago and so like the diehard fans, and I'm assuming a majority of them paid for a physical record, have already heard it. I'll be, I'm, I'll admit I'm guilty of it myself because I, already, I knew I already purchased the vinyl, so I didn't feel bad. Oh, I don't think we care anymore. Yeah. yeah, but I really don't know where I was going with this actually. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, that's a great way to end the interview. Yeah. Uh, just trailing off into <laughs> nonsense, Brian. I really appreciate you taking the time to yeah. sit down with me. I didn't expect to take nearly this much time, but I do appreciate that we were able to go a lot more in depth than I planned. So,
2: well, yeah, thank you for, for your interest and thanks for wanting to talk. I appreciate it.
0: All right. So that concludes part one of this two part interview episode. And here we are part two, uh, Josh Dibb, AKA Deacon. So, um, yeah. Isn't it now it's out. It's now. So it's now, yeah. Songs, that appear on isn't it now have been around for a pretty long time since 2018, they debuted at the music box show in new Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing as I you mean, know,
3: soul, soul capture is newer than that. Soul capture didn't really, uh, I, I don't know when Dave first did his own version of it, but the first time he shared it with us um, to collaborate was like, I think right after we finished tracking Time skips, so that would have been like January ish of 2021, maybe okay. maybe see us yes. over the holidays of 2020 of like 2020 2021 is when he first showed us a demo for 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 soul capture, and I was the only one that actually didn't work on it around then. Like I wrote all the harmonies that I sang on the record, um, and then like added some synth stuff, which that that version kind of disappeared, but the harmony stuck. But we didn't actually work on that song uh, as a group until August of 2021. So that was actually only a few months before we ended up going into the studio. But I think every, and yeah, uh, All the Clubs Are Broken is a song also that he'd introduced quite a while ago, but we just never, I mean, I, I think we played it in some form in 2019 um, when we were all together, but I don't think it ever really caught, like it, it just didn't seem to ever, like nothing happened with it. So that was very much like kind of like a, towards the end kind of like pulled that one together. But yeah, I guess every every. Everything else was, um, I realize I'm going to cut you off. The songs that debuted at, at, at in New Orleans were Magicians, um, Royal, which I know is on Times Gifts, Defeat, um, parts of, a part of Pastor John. Um, and then uh, everything else that's on Times Gifts uh, didn't really appear until the summer of 2019. Like the Noah's two songs, Gemini and Broke Zodiac. And I guess, yeah, Genie's Open is another one that's like, it's, he Noah had, obviously Genie's Open existed prior to all of this um, when Dave and Noah did the Sung Tong's touring, they were playing it, um, a version then, but then Noah's addition to it didn't come about until we started working on it in 2019. So
0: anyway, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, given that Animal Collective is known for being such a, like, transformative band and is constantly, you know, changing up the styles, changing up the instrumentation, like, do you feel some sense of relief now that Times Gifts and Isn't It Now are finally out there in the world?
3: Yeah, I do. I mean, with the caveat of it, it though, it's a decision that we kind of all came to as a group. I I, I wish we had a chance to tour sort of post album coming out. Not, so I mean, I, I think we we are righteously in a. Uh, whatever you'd call it, like kind of a hiatus period. Like I think it's we we have been with this music for a long time, but I wish that you know if the pandemic hadn't been what it had been, I think we would have put some version of all these songs out in the world. And there's a there's a there's a difference between what it feels like I think to play songs before people have heard them on record and what it feels like to play them after they've heard them on record. And I like both for different reasons. And it feels a little sad to me that we never are not never, but for the time being are not going to have that kind of like. All right, you finally heard the record, like here's that song, you know. So that part's a little tough. But um but yeah, otherwise, yeah, it's definitely a relief. I mean, that's it's we 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 put a lot of ourselves into all this music and and definitely did not expect it to sort of um come out in the way that it did, and you know, the impact of the of the pandemic and what that what that how that impacted the release and the amount of time that we were working on stuff and when we got to record things and all of that, which um just is what it is. I at this point I don't really have like a I wish things had been different kind of like narrative about it. It's it, it worked out the way it worked out. And there's probably a lot of really beautiful things that are a result of that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I am relieved. Yes.
0: I just, <laughs> For sure. I That's could have awesome. just said that. <laughs> the um like in an alternate timeline where COVID never happened, was the idea leading up with this batch of songs to just make one album or was there ever like two? Albums? Oh, I,
3: we never got to the point where we were really discussing like, what would be on what type of release. So I can't really, there was no like discussion that I would, that I'm remember at least. Um, (laughs) I think my guess is it probably would have been something more like uh, one significant album and either, you know one or two more EPs or collections of singles or um, yeah, I feel like we would have found some other way to break it up. that would have, would have probably fit more into just there being like kind of one primary album to focus on during this period of time. And so the fact that it got split up into two was, was kind of, yeah, probably not going to happen, but it's really hard to say. Uh, We're definitely not like, even the length of time skips or of, uh, isn't it now was, was like a a fairly large point of contention within the band. There's definitely like a pretty strong um, movement against sort of records that are too long. So the idea that we would have put out some sort of like, you know, quadruple LP kind of uh, monstrosity, I think is very unlikely. I don't think that would have really ever flown with the group. I think it's, yeah, it probably would have been more of like a, yeah, pretty, pretty classic sort of thing. What some, some sort of primary album with a nine to 10 track listing and then some amount of kind of EPs and, and singles that would have backed it all up. So, but, but who knows?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about and I I know that you guys um we were talking to uh, to Brian and he was um mentioning that there's a couple songs um the the Noah Led songs Gemini and Broke Zodiac were actually recorded remotely uh, for mm-hmm. Skiffs originally. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then they weren't used cuz you guys preferred to to be all in the same room for those songs.
3: They just, I mean, I guess they just didn't feel good. I mean, we just, I think we, you know, everything else, I, I think we felt like got to a place that we all felt satisfied with and that was just never quite clicked. There was just something missing and I don't think we were able to identify totally what it was. Um, they just didn't feel quite right. And, um, so yeah, we just kind of, we just ultimately ended up letting them go. Um, which I think at the time, even the label was, because the label had heard, I think they'd heard heard them and they were like come on like we really you know like we really want this one on the record i think i think both but for some reason i remember them being particularly psyched on gemini and we just were kind of held our ground and sort of knew that there was a there was there was a better version of that out there and we just hadn't gotten it so
0: nice so i suppose that means that like nobody's really going to hear these versions the time the time skiffs versions of those two songs Mm -hmm. or or is that some little
3: not for now i mean they exist who's to say i mean i feel you know i feel like with that kind of stuff it's it's you know periodically there's a you know a reissue release or some sort of whatever that we're like oh you know what we actually have this thing and no one's listened to it in, you know five years or ten years and then somebody does and like, it actually sounds pretty cool so you know you never know but at the moment uh there's been no there's been no talk about it so um i haven't even listened listened to those versions since we kind of decided to shelve them so i don't even know what they sound like
0: fair enough um, yeah it's it's fascinating like um you know because you guys as a band you must be sitting on a lot of stuff that like widely isn't heard by people because you make so much stuff you're each all so prolific and as a band you're prolific i was talking to Mm -hmm. danny perez um a couple years ago uh for the 10-year anniversary of odd sack and he mentioned that there's like a ton of alternate versions of the visuals and the audio because you guys kept sending it back and forth and i was like whoa that's that's kind of like mind-blowing to think about as a fan of the music because i'd be interested in hearing like every single different iteration of that and seeing uh-huh. a different iteration of that. Do you think that there's anything like, I I feel like when I talked to Danny about that, he maybe didn't even necessarily think of releasing it. Cause he was like, yeah, maybe like, you know, if there was like a re-release or something, you could add that as like a bonus feature or something. Yeah. Who can say, I mean, I, I on
3: some level, I, my memory of like what all those things would be like, would be more akin to, you know, when we go in the studio, we generally do anywhere from, you know, two to 20 plus takes of any given song and all of them generally have something in them that's cool you know but there's some point at which you're just like that's the one that has all the stuff we need and you know i know that like for you know anybody who's a hardcore fan of any band or you know whatever there's some satisfaction in being able to hear like outtakes and stuff and those things can be cool but i also i don't know i think we kind of tend to shy away from that level of like overexposure of kind of the process or something so mm-hmm. uh but uh, yeah i don't know i mean i i, I honestly with the odd sex stuff i would have to like i'd have to it's it's sort of i don't i mean it de- that definitely was very much a process um it was built like kind of baked into the whole idea of it that we would do a lot of that back, sort of back and forth but i don't necessarily remember at any one point anything that was you know that i'm like oh man yeah there was that one version of you know the like Whatever, whatever jam that, like you know that, like yeah, it was was so perfect. And then we altered it, and like it's still good. But like I think there was something we lost. I don't, I don't have any memory of anything like that. But maybe somebody else does. But we, we, yeah, we would just have to go through stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, Onsaka is such a strange release. I feel like in our catalog, I feel like for the most part it gets looked over. It doesn't really get seen as an album. And I think to us it it was absolutely an album. And I feel like for that reason it just, yeah. I mean, I I mean, at the time I'm sure as you know, like it wasn't it didn't get like reviewed in the same way. And it wasn't like in shops, like people, you know, record stores wouldn't shelve it because it was a DVD, you know? And we'd, so I think yeah. it felt a little bit, we, we've always been kind of, I think frustrated and felt like that was in a, in a weird way. Um I still stand by the <clears throat> decision we made at the time to like, keep it to a DVD only release. But in doing that, we clearly like kind of, you know, ended up having it uh kind of.
0: It's kind of yeah, like yeah, in, limits put, the, uh, accessibility a little bit there
3: yeah for sure so yeah. it,
0: um so
3: yeah i mean there's in, in that for i guess for that reason there is part of me that always wants to find some way to kind of bring attention to it again but I, you know i don't know it's hard to say i feel like at this point we have the you know the the, the benefit and the, which is awesome but also the, the kind of the difficulty of being a band that not only has i mean just forget about the past it's just even in the current time i mean this last year and a half or so. has been crazy between you know time skiffs isn't it? Now, bridge to quiet, reset, reset and dub, spirit being reissued, sevens coming out. It's just it's sort of it's a lot. It, it's a lot. <laughs> and I think I think you know everything from like our from our labels perspective of of trying to kind of you know find ways to to you know produce and put attention behind all those things. And you know we we've been coming up against the reality of of even. You know the the, the press at, at large, which I think is something that we we've never really had to contend with this before. But there, there's sort of like a oversaturation of just like you know we think you know it's like I think of Noah putting something out as being very different from the band putting something out. But I don't know if Pitchfork or Exclaim or Stereogum feels that way for them. It's just like oh another Animal Collective thing, another Animal Collective thing, another <laughs> thing. So I think when you think about that, and we're we are still a very like active, forward thinking group, I think sometimes the kind of like reissue look back stuff feels a little bit like, all right, I mean we want to, but you know, that's gonna take up time. And you know, mm. what if we do that, then that means we can't do this. And let's just keep going. So but I'm sure someday,
0: you know. That or, that'd be cool. I know. mean, it's it's cool that um because you guys, I know you played like screens um and mm. I think another odds that cut uh on the tour last yeah, we're, year. Working. Yeah,
3: which was like the the kind of the there's two jams that are together. One of them is like while, where Noah is walking across the boulders with like the white wig on. Yeah, which is a, a song Dave wrote. And then that kind of transitions into Tantrum Barb, which is a song Noah wrote. So they're kind of the same. They're kind of on the movie feel like they're sort of linked together. But yeah, mm-hmm. we played that first part, which is called Working.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Like that, Um, you know, that that, that came like I, I feel like as a fan and many animal collective fans are like, I wonder if they'll ever play odd sack material. So it was, it was mind blowing to, uh, to see that. But yeah, I think if like, if any sort of, uh, you know, r- like reissue of it comes out and there's, you know, bonus stuff or even, like, even if there is like a digital version, I think so that more people can hear it. I think people would be blown away. Cause I do, I do consider it as an album. I listen to it all the time. Um, Cause you know, someone ripped it to YouTube or whatever. And that's the kind of the easiest way to, to go about it without a DVD player. But yeah, sure. uh, Yeah. I mean, like speaking of um, the label, I was thinking about like album rollouts and like, you know, you guys have had some really fun and engaging stuff with the last two records. Like, isn't it now the white label um, defeat vinyls got sent out? There's those cryptic postcards that just said, isn't it now billboards Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then for time skiffs, you guys had like kind of like puzzle pieces scattered throughout the internet for people to find the back cover. Is this, uh, right. is that something that the record label is uh, you know, are, are they the ones kind of behind the rollout or are you guys like actively kind of coming up with ideas?
3: Uh, the, the ideas almost always come from us. I, I mean, I think there's generally some sort of encouragement from the label and from management to kind of like do something. Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of like the idea of, of sort of that type of um, process and, uh I, I honestly don't remember I'm, I'm horrible with kind of like this type of detail it's it's very possible that in some of these cases it might have been started from like the label being like hey we had an idea for rollout like what if you guys did x and then i would say if that was how it happens we were like no nah, that doesn't sound very cool but since you say that what mm-hmm. if you know so yeah all the ideas are always some things that kind of come out of um out of our brains i would say probably nine times out of 10 out of Dave. So I feel like he's responsible for, for a lot of that kind of stuff. But I, I yeah, I don't totally remember. Um, the 12-inch idea actually might've been something that sort of came from the label first, but I think that we altered, I don't remember what their original like pitch for it was, but I think we had like a very different um, idea of how to do it. And there, there's always a lot of back and forth. I mean, there's there's things that like we want to do that kind of end up not happening. And it just, it's it's, you know, but yeah, we sort of just always find some sort of,
0: super cool I don't know. yeah super cool yeah like i mean you know i the day that the defeat white label showed up on my door was mind-blowing because mm-hmm. i mean you know that was one of the songs that fans have probably been bugging all of you guys at every show when's it going to mm-hmm. come out when's it going to come out mm-hmm. this magnus magnum opus uh of a song and then lo and behold there it is on, on the doorstep you know i was i was it was a mm-hmm. surreal moment and to hear it in, you know, it's such so beautifully put together and so beautifully recorded and it just sounds so good. Um, it was something else. It was something else. So that was that was great. Whoever's idea that was, I uh, tip my cap to uh, to you guys and, and the record label if it was a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of fans, obviously, super, super big about that. You guys, I mean, do you guys ever, like, check in on, like, some of those super fan forums and stuff, like Collected Animals or, like, the Discord? And Because I I feel like those Uh, are the guys that are mainly putting these puzzle pieces together.
3: Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't totally out my, uh, I I think, I do. But only, (laughs) (laughs) I only do it kind of once, like, I did it once I knew the record had leaked, because I just kind of, I'm curious, like, what people are, how people are feeling about it. I don't, I don't, like, keep up with it year round. Yeah. So when like stuff like that was going on, like the puzzle pieces or the 12 inches, I wasn't, I didn't check at all, but okay. usually yeah. on, around any sort of release, I, I kind of just, am, for better or for worse, I kind of can't, I can't, it's hard for me to resist. So I'm kind of always just <laughs> curious like what how people are reacting. Um, <clears throat>
0: uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: So yeah, I, I know that stuff, but like, it's like, yeah, it, it kind of like I got wind of the leak happening and that things were starting to blow up and I kind of started reading that stuff around then and i would say like in the last week or so like since most of like the reviews have come out and i i've, I've kind of it's like tapering off like my interest and in, in kind of checking things out is like less and then i also you know part of that is like i hesitate to even tell you that because some people will hear it and i i sort of realized at a certain point that that it kind of is a private space you know and i sort of feel like there's like i don't know i feel like it it's cool that people have a place that they can go talk about stuff that I'm aware that maybe if they thought that like one of us was looking, they might like feel weird about saying things. So I don't know. It feels like I'm like, I don't know, peeking into like a teenager's bedroom <laughs> or something and like let them have their space. But
0: yeah. Um, I, well, I think people would probably think it's cool. Cause I think, you know, for the most part, I, I, you know, forums like collected animals, I think it's 99% praise for whatever you guys do. So.
3: Yeah. And I, and I also, I I've, think, I've I mean, part of my thing with that stuff too, and I think this kind of happened around sleep, cycle i i realized that like i saw the most like uh insanely absurd complimentary stuff about what i do and i also saw the most insanely uh like unnecessarily shitty stuff about what i do mm-hmm. and both spectrums and everything in between that i just sort of I, it's sort of a not a not i uh what's the word no, a not inoculated me to to it like I don't I can't say like I'm I'm for sure like if I see something like really shitty it can like kind of sting a little bit or someone's really bummed but for the most part I just sort of like yeah I, I sort of like I don't like I, I've even gone on 4chan to check stuff out and been like, oh shit, like people are like hateful, like this is dark, you know, but then somebody's yeah. like really stoked and you're like, all right, right, let's. It's, I just find it kind of interesting at this point more than I find it like good or bad, um, even the stuff that's really glowing, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know, people you know, uh, and if, if you're one of them, no, no offense, but like being like, they're the, the Beatles or whatever, and you're just like, that's, thanks, but you know, we're not the Beatles, but, it, <laughs> but thank you, you know, like, cool, like it, it's nice to see that stuff, and I think like realizing that that level of enthusiasm is there is cool. I just the thing I actually find the most interesting, especially I've been noticing on this cycle, for some reason, especially is uh, you know, there's this like larger narrative about us kind of like we had the golden years and then and then it's like the jury is out and depending on who you talk to, like one record is the best thing we've ever done and they don't even like the stuff prior to 2011 and other people, it's just it's just like every and I've realized that we've almost almost by design kind of curated a fan base that doesn't agree with itself and i I feel like there's almost not a single release that we've put out that there's not a handful of people that like champion it as the best thing we've done i mean i kind of kind of without fail it's like there are people you know like which i think and yeah i think it's really interesting i think it's it's like i i wonder like if other bands have that kind of level of like I don't know discrepancy sort of or like or Mm -hmm. or like like everybody loves us but for for different reasons for some people it's because of Noah for some people it's because of Dave it's starting to be because some people because of me for some people it's because we make things like Tangerine Reef and for some people it's because we make things like painting with and you know it's like every you know there's the people that are like oh isn't it now it's so like organic and I love how like tight the like rhythm section is and somebody else is like where's all the bells and whistles i miss all the synths so like i wish it like why isn't it like painting with and you're just like man you you know but then all the people that were like painting with is too busy like why won't they go back to and you're just like oh you can't like everyone has a different idea of like who we are which is is pretty wild it's it's cool i i, I kind of dig it
0: it is cool yeah for sure i think i mean like you guys have you know just done so much i think you guys have your fingers in like quite a lot of pies so I think that by doing that you you are going to get that kind of reaction from people that almost feels like contradictory at times where it's like you know because for me at least as a fan like I love how everything sounds kind of different but has this kind of spirit to it that still feels like you guys and you know Mm -hmm. when when you guys do your solo stuff too I feel like there's there's always this kind of evolution but the the kind of like backbone of it is you know the the soul of it so to speak is is what you guys have always brought to your music whether it's you know whether it's stuff that you know pitchfork fans are going to go like wild over or if it's just some small group of like underground like you know people that like noise music or something Mm -hmm. It's it kind of satisfies a, a little bit of both and and there there is overlap and then there's other people that are just like i only like this one sound or something but uh it is fascinating and I think it's I think it's really cool like that you guys are just able to do so much cuz like Tangerine Reef is one of my favorite releases by you guys. And it Thank sounds you. nothing like Isn't It Now, but Isn't It Now is nope. also one of my favorite <laughs> releases by you guys. So nice. It's it's hard to say um but yeah like you know speaking of the fan forums and everything um well you mentioned like that you you kind of checked it out when the leak happened so like you know maybe we'll talk about the leak a little bit you know where it's it's 2023 and albums are still leaking ahead of their release date how does how does this happen how does it make you guys feel when that happens
3: um i don't know how it happens I, I don't think anybody is totally clear on how it happens i mean every i mean i i have people who i trust who have even been like i think the label's do it on purpose and like they just don't tell you you know I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. okay that'd be interesting <laughs> but i know that like i talked to the label and they're like you know they're not bummed but they, they don't sound like it's what they wanted to happen you know but they sort of accept it i think so I, I really i don't know how it happens i you know i as far as i know we do everything we can to um you know, it, like it, it's like we finished the record and the only people that have it are like us, our manager, like the, like in this case, Heba who mastered it, like the engineer, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know who, you know, and then once we start sending it out in a significant form, we send it out watermarked, you know, digitally watermarked. So, you know, I know there's ways around these things. So I, I don't know. I really don't know how it happens. Um, And I don't, I don't know. I think, I guess, you know, I think everybody feels a little bit differently about it. I, I would say as a whole, based on my sense from talking to the other dudes at this point, I think everyone's kind of just come to accept it like kind of a long time ago. I mean, it's been happening. I mean, I think when we were in our twenties and it was happening around, you know, albums like strawberry jam, it was, it felt like, you know, this, this sucks, like, God damn it. You know, like we wanted to do this a certain way. And I think we just, it's, it kind of, it's just happened every time it seems unavoidable. This one seemed a little early. My memory of maybe. It was like, like a month years, before the
0: like. release, I think.
3: Yeah. And and from reading some comments, I got the sense that some people had, had it even longer and just it sort of was like there was a few people that had it maybe like going away. I don't know. Somebody at one point like made a comment about having like, like heard it for the first time on Father's Day or something. And I was like, Father's Day. Jesus Christ. Like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. Anyway, I got the impression that maybe there was like one or two people that kind of had it for a minute, um, but weren't necessarily spreading it. And then, yeah. It, yeah. But yeah, a month out seems a little. Mm-hmm significant I, like i don't remember what time skiffs was but i thought it was only like a week before or something um
0: yeah i don't even maybe recall, it was recall i i at least i wasn't aware of a time skiffs leak i know like I, I'll, I'll tell you josh that way here in toronto um the record store that's nearby my mm-hmm. place they mm-hmm. sold me a copy a week before it came out I guess, I guess they didn't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I had my own private leak, I suppose at home with that record. So uh, I I got to enjoy that a week before anybody else did, but, um, or I guess if it did leak some somewhere else, then maybe other people did get to enjoy it uh, before the actual drop. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating, but yeah, also on the, on the, on the topic of uh, you know, the fans and um, these albums. So leading up to, isn't it now? And you, you may or may not have seen this if you were on any of those groups. There was a lot of, you know, like back and forth, like hypotheticals about what the track listing would be like on this thing. And I don't think, out of all the predictions that were there, I don't think anybody predicted what the actual track list ended up being. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> was was it difficult to sequence this album? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I think
3: it was a little bit. I don't know if we were all on the same page about it initially. I mean, there was even a point where it wasn't going to be. All these songs. I think there was a point where was only gonna like defeat was always gonna be on the record. We always knew that. Um, Everybody felt really clear about that. And I think because it's such a long song, there was a lot of discussion about just the length of albums in general. And I think there was there's definitely like a a school of thought which I totally understand, and I I happen to not be on the side of. So maybe I was kind of the one that pushed it a bit. But of like albums, really like the shorter the better. Like they you know like keeping you know 50 minutes or less is like a great kind of Marker um so at one point it was it was going to kind of going to be like an album and an EP and I know for my part like I you know and I'm not saying other people didn't feel the same way but I know that I kind of voiced that I felt like (coughs) it was kind of our EPs have always been something that have been really special so it's not that I don't think that they have a really important place but it actually felt more like an album and some stragglers when we did it that way. Like every every way that it was like, okay, this is the record and then these three songs are an EP. It didn't, it felt really disjointed to me. And I just felt like, I don't know. We've been through so I mean I don't know if I yeah, my, my particular views on these things like are emotional and maybe nostalgic in a way that I don't know if everyone else in the band shares. So this is very much like my own perspective on these things. But I just I know for myself I felt emotionally like the amount of work on every level that had gone into this whole era of making music, time skips included, and getting to the point where we were able to record in the studio with Russell and the way that it felt being in the studio, like that 12 days um, in Brooklyn with him was, I, I, I think all four of us agree, was just like a really, really special time. Like things really clicked in this really incredible way. And i it, it was um, absolutely, you know, in my top, two or three recording experiences. And I don't just mean like the recording part. I mean like the way that we all felt as people and the way the music was feeling and the way it was connecting. And I just it just felt really I know for myself, I just felt a really strong feeling that that what we had captured in that studio was meant to somehow be presented as like this moment. You know? And I just felt like by breaking it up to me it felt like doing a disservice to that. Um so I, I was I was a really big component of just, yeah, of keeping all the songs together. And then I think at that point, um, you know, there's certain people in the band that have really, really strong viewpoints on track listing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not totally one of them. Like, I know how, I know I have my own instincts about stuff. So if I had been left to my own devices, I would have sequenced it a certain way. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like I necessarily, I don't know how to put this. It's like, it's not, it's like not, there's a, there's, you know, there's so many things within the group that are like these beautiful ways that we find to have a group voice and to have like a group think. And part of that is to kind of know when to be like, I'm going to let you make this choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd kind of, I, i had been sort of the one that, that really pushed to be like, I'd really like all these songs, on the record, like it would really mean, a lot to me. And I I kind of was very passionate about why I thought that was a good idea. Um, and then some other people started tossing around a couple of different ideas and I would be like, oh, that one seems cool. And, you know, what about switching that? And then someone would be like, no, nah, I don't like it. Like, okay, that's fine. You know, it's just kind of like, let it be what it was going to be. Um, um, so, yeah, I don't know if there's like any sort of like deep, I don't have any like deep like story about like, this is, this is the reasoning behind it. Like, um, I think it just kind of felt uh, you know, there was there was talk about defeat going at the at, kind of at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that felt like a good idea and sometimes that felt like. I think that's a hopeful song, but it is it's a it's a hard ending. And it felt like a kind of like, yeah. you know, this might be the the last record we put out for a while. Like this is like do we want to like leave that moment like somebody mm-hmm. barely being able to choke out the word defeat because they're kind of really are questioning whether they can keep going or not like is that really (laughs) how you want this to end so I think once that sort of we decided not to put that at the end then it was like where does that go and it 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 is such a it's such a mammoth thing you know it was Mm -hmm. it was it was certainly challenging um but you know I really like the way that the sequencing ended up you know I think it I think it I think it I think it works I you know I've perused some of some of the some of people's ideas about like what mm. it could, you know, at least in ter- it's, I can't get into like the, what if all of this was recorded together and like, you yeah, know, time, time skips, isn't it now was just some sort of, I can't go there. Cause it's just, that's not the reality. But in terms of, isn't it now, I I I've seen some other ideas that I kind of get like why people thought that. And you know, but totally. yeah, it's, it's all, it's always like a weird, a weird combination of like, there being this like puzzle that you need to put together and there's like a best version. And also it kind of being a little arbitrary, you know it's like sometimes the third song on the record feels like it's in the right place because because you put it there, <laughs> you know what I mean and it like <laughs> if you'd put it seventh, it would have felt like it's supposed to be the seventh song right and so it's just, I don't know if it's always as it's always as clear as you'd think you'd want it to be I think on some records it's maybe felt clearer than others um so this one this one was a little you know it was a little bit it was a little bit of like a a little hazier maybe than other records have been and I, that that might be something that i think is sort of the result of of how things got split up um which I, is totally due to the pandemic you know but i i i i guess it, i've chosen and I, I don't i actually haven't really like heard we've been splitting up the press on this so much no and i did a bunch of interviews together so i know him and i kind of talk about it so, somewhat similarly i don't know if dave and brian talk about it the same way so maybe brian had a different take on it but i um i i feel like i can't not say that like the the pandemic had an impact on like you know we we we've been vocal about the fact that part of the reason why we chose the songs for time skips was just literally like oh we can do these to a click track you know and we can't do defeat to click track like that is a very but i i also feel and i I know noah feels this too but i don't i don't like like having that meme that like oh it's like an asterisk record you know Mm -hmm. or asterisk records to me i think that there's like a, a a there is a there's a way things work out that like they end up making sense after the fact, you know, and like all of this has been part of the process and like, you know, there's so many other types of things that, you know, songs that we work on that end up not making it past like demo stage that, you know, there's a reason for that. And maybe the reason was because someone felt sick that day and they just actually didn't put the right energy into it. You know, it's just like, there's all sorts of things that lead to these things being the way they are. And this is the way it turned out. And I, 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 I think there's a lot of some sort of wisdom came through in like the records being, broken up in the way that they did. Um, So anyway.
0: Definitely. I I would agree with that because I, you know, if there were songs that were going to be like left out, if it was conjoined or something like that, I would personally be bummed because like, I think that they're both, they're both very special records, but they both have a very, even though the instrumentation is, you know, maybe similar more so than other, you know, sequential animal collective releases. I feel like Mm -hmm. there is something pretty different about the two of them. Like, yeah you know they they definitely stand alone and i think um you know like speaking of the sequencing and stuff and having defeat like you know smack dab in the middle i think a lot of people were like yeah i would expect that to be a closer or whatever but um i think having it in the middle makes sense because it's kind of unavoidable right there in the middle right and i think that it demands attention so you know i think possibly if it was at the end and people see that it's 22 minutes they might be like Okay, I listened to a bit of that or something, mm. but it's it's there sure. in the middle, and you you can't avoid it. And it's so you know captivating that I feel like having it there, even if someone was like, "Oh, wow, this is like twenty two minutes," they'll still get kind of like roped into it. So I think it makes sense for it to be there.
3: And you know, another thing that I actually keep forgetting this, but I, it's because it's this is this comes up in a lot of interviews. But uh, another thing that factors into this that we do do vinyl, and that 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 mm. dictates certain things as well. So you have to kind of make side split decisions, and so there, you know defeat is one side so that could have in that sense gone you know first in the middle in a certain way but it would have depended on like what songs came mm-hmm. before and how you broke them up or it could have got at the end and so I, that, that's part of the two you know it's like right. once we kind of um you know you're going to start with soul capture well you only have so many minutes left on that side mm-hmm. so what goes there it can't be defeat or whatever so th- those things factor in as well and i but that's true with any record we kind of have to we have to think about that um unless we would decide not to do final, like campfire
0: songs for some. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, Defeat, uh, I feel like is kind of, well, obviously the, the album's titled isn't it now after a lyric in there, I feel like it is kind of like the, the central, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the crown gem of this whole thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. When, when, uh, when Greg spoke to Brian about um, the, uh, the album title, we, cause I, I think I read in an interview somewhere a little while ago that you guys kind of like when you're, kind of you know uh, agreeing on an album title there's kind of like a list and then it kind of gets shorter mm-hmm. and shorter and then you kind of figure it out uh brian was telling us that defeat was uh considered to be the name for the album uh, before you mm-hmm. guys settled on isn't it now
3: no i really wanted that for sure yeah no no it was like that was like he was like it's that's got to be called defeat <laughs> yeah
0: were there any other uh titles floating around uh there were a few but I,
3: I honestly can't remember what they are right now and even if i did i probably would say what they were but um the, the yeah towards i'm trying to think if there's anything that i can even recall that would be interesting to share <laughs> but i'm pretty sure defeat and isn't it now we're kind of um yeah we're kind of the big ones i mean i think there was there's the, i think there was a moment where like we were like well, what else could there be and i feel like you know you sometimes just start like literally describing it. at other song titles and lyrics i might have been like what if it was called soul capture or something like that you know Mm -hmm. but um i think defeat as a song really i mean i think you you seem to already know this and i don't you know whether you heard it from brian or whatever but i mean i I, we all agree that it's like kind of the spiritual part of the whole era you know i think Mm -hmm. that it's there's something about that song that um just yeah i mean it's we we you know not realizing that the music box shows would be kind of like, in a way, the, the the sort of first shows or the sort of the preamble to the first kind of writing of this whole era. We didn't even know that at the time, but Defeat was obviously a huge centerpiece of that. And then as soon as we started working on music with all four of us and that song just always was this really powerful thing that we just, yeah, I mean, I, I, Noah thinks I'm wrong about this, like there must be some exception, like some show or this wasn't the case, but I'm pretty sure we played it at every single show. I mean, yeah, maybe the exception is like a festival here or there, like Desert Days. I guess we wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it because it's just we only had 45 minutes or you know, pitchfork or something. But I, I think other than situations like that, if it was our show, we played defeat, I think every single time. You, you probably can correct me, but enough. <laughs> I'm close enough. Uh, and there's a reason for it. It just, it just felt, it just felt like a it just felt like, a, it, just felt like a, it just felt like the thing. So, yeah, I think that it being the sort of source of the of the title uh, kind of always made a lot of sense as well. And I, sure. I don't recall any any titles that were taken seriously that weren't related to that song. So,
0: makes sense. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I can I can definitely say that there was at least one show where you guys didn't play defeat and that was here in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, but sorry. but I for, I forgive you guys because you played Stride right. And uh right. that song is, you know, I mean I think in terms of that it's not exactly in this like defeats it's a tone of its own and it does, you know, morph throughout the whole 22 minutes, but I feel like Stride is another kind of like, you know, more melancholic uh song on the album. Um you know the other ones maybe feel a little different. But, you know, so you got Stride and you got Royal and Desire on the last one. Mm-hmm. Like, are you comfortable becoming like the ballad guy of the band?
3: <laughs> uh, the only reason why I'm not comfortable becoming the ballad guy is just that I I, I, uh, I do aspire to write different types of songs. And I've known yeah. I'm starting to be like, all right, man, like you got this thing. You do this. All right. It's pretty good. But like pick up the tempo. <laughs> uh <laughs> try a, try just like a like a like a, a catchy chorus maybe make someone dance or something um but yeah no I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with it I think that that uh it's taken me a really long time to be comfortable with my literal voice and also like my voice in terms of like what seems to matter to me lyrically and, and what kind of messages I'm trying to get across and I still you know I, I still feel self-conscious about it sometimes um but uh, I feel like it's worked really well so far on these last couple of records. And and in some ways, it, I mean, it's been interesting doing, um, like why that over the last couple of years? Because in some ways, like the version that we've been doing live feels sort of much closer emotionally to the intention of the song than the record, the version that ended up on Centipede Hurts, so even though I, I like that version a lot. Um, but I think it was like trying very hard to kind of like fit into this like, angular alien world um i don't want to say at the expense of the song but it definitely was like it was like a different thing and so you know that's also a mournful ballad in its own way and maybe a little bit more driving than royal and stride um yeah i don't know i don't know what question i'm trying to answer now it's meaningful it's meaningful to me to have these songs on on these records and it's and it's and it's it's, i think it's been interesting too and maybe this kind of goes i think about this a little bit in terms of what i was saying earlier about Sort of realizing that we've sort of cultivated this like audience of like very almost like differing at times opposing opinions you know i don't i i'm very aware that my songwriting is very 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 different from dave and noah's and in some ways i think there's a there's a version of me or a younger me that would have this like critical voice of being like you don't belong to this band like this doesn't fit you know um and i think that i don't feel that anymore i think i actually feel like this thing that we've created is is always was more than sort of what it felt like in the early 2000s even though that was an incredibly powerful and incredibly moving and incredibly yeah I mean just an undeniable thing that I I, I felt like a witness of as well but you know this is this yeah it, I don't know it feels cool to to feel the scope of the band broadening and realizing that like I'm kind of I'm, I'm a part of that you know I think isn't is is interesting and and I, I feel grateful for and it feels it feels correct I guess to me Others might disagree, but feels cool to me.
0: I agree. I think that, you know, this album, uh, isn't it now, and Time Skiffs, it's, it's proof that you're all part of this band. Like, it is such a a, a true collective, I think, you know. Like, uh, Greg and I were talking a bit about how amazing it is to hear, like, your voice in particular all over this record, you know, and it's just, it everyone's voice shines in these very unique ways and i think you you all you know as as songwriters have a very unique style of approaching stuff and that actually uh leads me into my next question which is actually um when you guys are writing songs especially from a lyrical standpoint is it safe to assume that each like you know lead vocalist is kind of like the lead lyrical writer as well of the songs do you ever kind of take turns at helping with uh, lyric writing for other uh, songs
3: i think that's almost always exclusively the case yeah I'm trying to think if there's the, you know, it's, it's very possible to have exceptions and, 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 you know, as I'm sure you've, you've read in other interviews or heard any of us say we so rarely actually talk about each other's songwriting or lyrics. Like we don't, it's, it's not like we all sit down and be like, all right, man, so defeat, like, what's this about? And like this third line here, is that like, you know so we don't actually have those conversations. So a lot of my um, sense of like what, is yeah where the drive of like dave or noah in terms of like their songwriting comes from like i'm not always necessarily privy to and i i guess yeah i guess the reason why i'm pausing this is like i i can't i i, I can't speak because i wasn't there for like painting with and meriwether and sung tongs like I, it does feel at times like there's maybe even more of an exchange in those between the two of them than maybe like i'm aware of but i don't know of any instances like that i think it's more like um you know, I mean, we we we've had like two songs on this last record, or, you know, or uh, "Genie's Open" and um, uh, "Prester John," which were kind of like co-written, but like really just because like Noah wrote this bit and then Dave wrote that bit. But it's it's I, I'm not aware of there being any kind of like the two of them being like, "All right, well, this is my lyric for this part, so you should change that to this." And if I if I'm writing about this, you should make the topic of yours be about that. It's 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 much it seems much more to me to be. Um, Kind of like a exquisite corpse kind of thing, where it's just like this is the bit Noah wrote, and that's the bit Dave wrote, and oh look, if you just put them together like that, they work in a cool way, and like you can derive your own meaning from it, you know. So yeah, I don't think there's a ton of that that I'm that I'm aware of. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, yeah, if you if you talked to to Dave and Noah, it's possible they would have exceptions to that based on different eras of what we've done, where they maybe were like kind of writing for each other or something. But I'm not aware of that happening.
0: Fair enough. I mean, it still sounds like really cohesive is you know a kind of I think an even more amazing thing if each you know sort of songwriter is kind of just taking their own thing. It really shows how the band complements each other because it doesn't sound out of place when you know the lead vocalist switches in, into the mm-hmm. next cut of the song. It's, it sounds like the same band. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys I think you know it, it shows like that your your bond together is obviously very strong and uh, your instincts work very much in your favor um but yeah i mean like you know while while i'm on the topic of praising you i I just wanted to make mention stride right and royal and desire i mean stride right if if, you know if if you check the forums i think is widely being recognized as like one of the fan favorites of this album uh of this era and uh royal and desire was uh, i believe on the list of uh top tracks of 2022 from pitchfork you know and it's a it's a uh, it's not even a single so i think that you know speaks volumes to what you're lending to this band and and, and uh, lending to that kind of sound it's definitely resonating with a lot of people so um and myself included I, I love those songs so much royal and desire was like i mean from the inception of down 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 into that mm-hmm. i remember uh, when you came to toronto um with um gang gang dance uh-huh. uh, yeah you played, i was doing that song then played that song and that, like that was uh it, it was Fantastic in that in- iteration, but to hear it turn into Royal and in Desire, I mean, that's that song is very moving, very moving. Um, thank you very so, much.
3: I, I pr- appreciate that. I mean, yeah, it's a lot to
0: hear. I, I, I'm i just saying it like how it is, you know. So, uh, <laughs> th- thank you. All right. <laughs> um, I know that you teach some Instagram posts about releasing a new solo album, uh, sort of more mm-hmm. piano based. Um, is there any updates on when we can expect to hear anything from that? Nah, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm um, far, yeah, far, too, far, far too on brand to say that it's still very early stages and I haven't actually started recording anything yet. Um, I think it's going to be more piano based, but I, I, I don't really know. I feel like once I kind of start digging into something, it, it can kind of like evolve. Uh, The piano has just kind of been the instrument that's been the most sort of like um, instantaneously, engaging for me right these past few years especially like I feel like I just nine times out of ten when I go in my studio I, it's kind of where I want to sit um, and I think I've been kind of wanting to you know a lot of songs that I wrote early on were oftentimes the result of me like making a sampled loop and sort of writing melody over top of a loop and I found that to be an incredibly inspiring way to write but also kind of limiting and sort of gets you you kind of paint yourself into a corner and so um for many years now it's not like just recently but i think that i I, there's something about maybe i'm leaning even further to the point of just really wanting to be like i play a chord i choose a melody you know it's like it's a very direct relationship that i can i can i can shift gears with really easily Mm -hmm. um so that's just kind of been the most inspiring way to write i don't I don't actually know if that'll end up being, I'm sure piano will play a big role in whatever the next record is, but I don't know if it'll be like, I mean, I, there's times where I've been like it literally, I could imagine doing like a like a piano songwriter record with like very minimal, in, you know, additional instrumentation to, you know, it being as full on as, you know, stuff I've done before. Um, so it's hard to say. Uh, I have a bunch of new stuff for sure. Uh, a handful of songs which feel like close to being written and a handful more that feel a lot more kind of amorphous and then there's a whole back catalog of stuff some of which even goes back to way back in the day that I sometimes think I would like to like you know that I never recorded and would like to kind of see if I can kind of pull it up and resuscitate it and probably with like a a new feeling and a new bent but you know kind of there's definitely some melodies from A long time ago, that are kind of still in my head, and I I kind of go back to now and again. So, um, and yeah, I I intended to kind of be a lot further along this year than I am, but it's just been a busy year. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm playing a couple shows in November um, with uh, Dave and Brian. Like, I don't, um, we're doing like three solo sets at the same show in Asheville, and so i'm gonna that'll probably be a good impetus for me to kind of get some things a little bit more solidified and then i'm heading out to portugal to help noah um record his next record sort of as like an engineer slash producer um nice. and so that'll kind of be my focus like you know for kind of up up until the holidays other than the getting ready for my show so i would imagine at this point it's more about when i get back um mm-hmm. kind of post holidays um that i will be Uh, hopefully at that point have some more solid sense of like what songs i want to record and actually start getting into to doing it for real um yeah it's ridiculous that it's taken this long i I, it's i i yeah i don't understand how i keep doing this to myself i'm I'm an incredibly slow human being it's pretty wild but
0: well all good things take um, time and i think it's sleep sleep cycle is is definitely proof that you need, you just take all the time you want because it's <laughs> coming up with is fantastic. So I think we're, we're, I can speak for all the fans when I say it's we're cool with waiting. Well,
3: I, I, I appreciate that, but I, I also want, I'd be cool for my life to move a little, a little bit faster. <laughs> you
0: know, as you get in, as you
3: get into these, these mid forties, I'm about, I'm about to be forty six. It's, it's, you're, you're a little bit more aware of the, the length of the road ahead of you. You know, so fair enough. Uh, it, it feels like time to move a little quicker than I have been. All right. Um, well, but I, but I,
0: you know, well, I, I'm stoked to hear it whenever it comes out. So, um, I got a couple more questions for you here. Um, sure. So, let's say uh, someone's getting into Animal Collective for the first time. What's what's the introductory album?
3: I mean, this kind of goes back to what I was saying. I just like at this point, <laughs> I'm not even really sure if I have a clear answer for that because I, because I read and meet fans who are like, I came into this band because of centipede hurts and it's like mm-hmm. that's the best record you guys ever made and i'm like right well go read the articles from you know 2012 when it came out uh you stand apart from everyone else so i i guess uh tough question huh? <laughs> i probably I, I i don't know this is like a yeah I, I think my true answer is what i just said and i kind of actually really like that people would you know literally like somebody would be like i got into this band because of I don't know transverse temporal gyrus or something and why don't they make another record like that um mm-hmm. but I don't know I maybe maybe I would say strawberry jam maybe to me but maybe I think maybe it's the a record, just because I I think I feel like it kind of it it's sort of it feels like kind of like a linchpin in the middle of like a lot of different energies that we had it doesn't touch everything but it touches a lot of it and I think I think with all, even though I mean it's a, it's a yeah. It's a wild one to reference. Cause I think it was a tough one for all of us, but it, it had, it, it just has something going on that I feel like is, is yeah, you're going to, you're probably, if you like something in there, you're going to want to, you're going to want to check out what else is going on. And I feel like in some ways, yeah, weirdly, I feel like that's like one of the, one of the, uh, this is, I don't mean this to sound so negative. It's not negative, but maybe that's one of the issues with Merriweather is that I think mm. that it does something that Though, I, if you know us and know the soul of who we are, like you hear and everything else that we do, but I think for certain people, it was like, it had a certain sheen to it that like, because it doesn't really exist quite in that way anywhere else, everything else feels like it's not that. And I don't know, like, I don't think feels does that to people. I don't think,
0: you know, maybe, I don't
3: know. I know, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just bad <laughs> one.
0: I get to that. I think I get... people
3: should, people should spin a wheel and wherever the wheel lands, sure. that's what they should listen to first. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, Strawberry Jam is a good answer. I think it's like, it's, it's got a little bit of everything and and you're right. If if people can latch onto something there, there's definitely something in, in all the rest of the records that will, uh, will work for them. Uh, now here's another loaded question for you. So, uh, Desert Island question, but it's with your band members, solo projects, one of each, you can only take one record with you to the Desert Island to listen to forever. Which ones are you taking with you?
3: Ooh, that is really tough. Um, i would say um for dave i think it's i guess i'm going to say down there i think it's down there i think that one like has always been there's like um yeah i don't know yeah it is it is self-serving but i'm it's it's either down there or it's eucalyptus it's one of the one of the ones that i recorded (laughs) i just feel like they're like the most there's something there's something like through and through that kind of cut to like a, a very deep soul of Dave's that I love very much, and um you know it comes through an animal collective record sometimes as well, I mean in some ways always does, but you know he mm-hmm. it's it's this it's this very particular kind of like emotional depth and vulnerability that I think on both those records is there and and i you know I happen to really like the way they sound and, um with Noah, what do I wanna say? I guess I want to say, I don't know. It might actually be Tomboy.
2: Might nice. be Tomboy.
3: I think that I think that. Uh, I mean, I know Person Pitch in some ways is like a very obvious answer that many people would give, <laughs> and I think for really good reason. And it's it is a it's a really stunning work on a lot of levels. But I feel like it it I'm gonna get myself in trouble for this one. I feel like Person Pitch is like maybe like the last record of like his childhood or something it's mm-hmm. like it's a it's which is childhood is beautiful it's but it's like there's a there's tomboy was like this this moment where i think he was trying to really like ground himself into like who he is as a songwriter and 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 a certain type of like self-ownership maybe even especially out outside of the group um which person pitches too but i don't know tomboy feels like it's like this kind of yeah i don't know it just really feels like noah to me um and you know no, i mean I've i've spent time with it's really crazy actually i just was with noah in lisbon and i was helping him <clears throat> kind of organize his studio because that's where we're going to record the next record and uh he has like a lot of stuff there they just like accumulated including like boxes of stuff that he's like got from his mom's old house um when she moved and so he has all these boxes of like cassette tapes a lot of which are like the old four track tapes from when we were like fucking 13 years old and wow. I've been listening to that human being, uh, Jesus Christ, I almost started crying, uh, make music, <laughs> make music in a way that I found really pretty stunning since I was, you know, 12, 13 years old, I guess, 13 years old. That's incredible. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And, you know, I mean, I, I hear him through everything that we've done including all the stuff with animal collective but yeah i don't know Tomboy somehow feels like it's like this kind of it's it's really him it's not animal collective it's like that's noah um and i think that he is 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 an incredible member of animal collective and is obviously like an irreplaceable voice and like what this group is but i think there's a him that exists outside of it and i think that um maybe through a lot of the 2000s like that didn't really get to exist and you know, it came out through what he would do on Songtongs or, you know, kind of, you know, and obviously again, like hundred percent him, but I think that there's something in Tomboy that feels like very personal to him. Uh, with Brian, man, it's tough. There's, uh, I would almost cheat a little bit on this one and say that uh, in general, like the Tape Chance series that him and Dave did together, I think is right. like fucking stunning. Like, I don't remember which one, it, I think it was Tape Chance for Spring that they, played for us um when we were in 2019 we first got together to like work on the this era of music um in the like Tennessee sessions or whatever mm-hmm. and they had finished tape chant I think it was the spring one and we had like finished a day of practicing and eating dinner and then they were like you guys want to hear it And we had a PA set up in the room that we were playing in but it was like also just our living room And so I just laid down on the floor with my eyes closed and might have been one of the rare times. I don't really like smoke weed that much anymore because it's not good for my brain. But uh, I think I might have that night, and I just just think it sounds incredible. And as much as as much as I think Brian really gets to shine on Animal Collective records in general, um, and is such a huge part of how our how we are, who we are, like in a in a just irreplaceable way. I feel like there's something that when it's a project like that, it just is even more like apparent, like how kind of brilliant he is um, with that kind of stuff. Um, So that's, that's what I would pick. But I, I, yeah. Um, I also kind of feel like he, uh, what am I trying to say? Like he, he's, 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 he's still, he hasn't made his like best record yet. Like on his own, like, I feel like that's like, it's, I think that him like playing solo recently, in the last couple of years is like sort of a new newish muscle for him. And, and I think he's really coming into his own in that way. So I'm kind of really excited to see like what he does with that. Him and I have been doing <clears throat> a lot of soundtrack work the last few mm-hmm. years, like scoring, scoring films. Um, we've done, him and I have done three together, only one of which included Dave, but two of them have just been the two of us Crestone, and, um, this movie jetty that hasn't really come out yet, but we just finished over the summer. Um, and he's just, he's, he's, yeah, he's kind of just really brilliant when it comes to like, just making these kind of like incredible soundscapes. So anyway, yeah, my answer is, is, is tape chance for spring, which technically is also him and him and Dave, but I'm, I'm giving Brian a
0: lot of credit for that. So. <laughs> awesome. Great answers. Um Okay. So my final question here and kind of answered it along the way is, you know, what's next uh, for Animal Collective? What's next for you guys? The solo project sounds like, the most immediate thing for you is working on this, this record with, with Noah. Is that, um, I know that that title Sinister Griff has been jumping around the, the fan forums for years. Is that, is that what this project is? I, I don't know if
3: he'll stick with that name or not. I haven't actually had that conversation with him, but yeah, that, that's what this is.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. Those are some yeah. of the songs that he played in Madrid, like a couple years ago. hmm Yep. Nice. Yep. Cool. Oh, and, and then, yeah, and, some, and some newer stuff. Sweet. And then you've got, uh, time presumably to work on your stuff next year but animal collective are not going to be touring or putting out an album for a little while
3: yeah it's going to be a minute yeah we're kind of okay. we're, we're moving into one of those one of those moments um yeah i think just everyone needs like some space to be to be focused in other places before we kind of get back together i mean you know at the same time you never know it, it's, it's really always hard to say and i feel like whenever whenever the kind of the gears start clicking is is never really predictable. I mean, I don't think, um, I mean, I guess it was very much like a, it took a long time, but I don't think like when, you know, me, Dave and Brian worked on the Tangerine Reef stuff together and then that didn't lead directly to, but sort of piggybacked with us doing the music box stuff um in some ways either of those projects could have been or neither of them could have been sort of the beginning of us starting to talk about what would be next but it turned out that the music box was or music box was so you never really know i think it's just i think we like to kind of leave things i think we like to get to that place where the moment when it's going to feel like there's a reason to have that conversation again is because it's for for an organic reason organic reason so um yeah, I think uh, I definitely need to record a record. It's really important to me. Um, I would I would feel like I was doing myself a, a disservice if I didn't do that before we got to our next thing. I know Noah wants to record a record. Um, I haven't heard Dave talking about recording a new record at the same time. Like he's literally just always writing. So who knows? Who knows? He may be sitting on one, and he hasn't told anybody. Um, and yeah, and and me and Brian and and to some degree Dave are wanting to to continue to be doing score work as well. Um, some of which is just, uh, you know, an economic thing, but, you know, it happens to be something that we enjoy doing. So um, that's cool. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Some other, other things that are in the works that i you know, that are definitely group related, but nothing that would be like the next album or something. I think we're just kind of trying to find ways that we can sort of continue to feel like we can make things and share them with people in a way that, that feels engaged and engaging for us and kind of allows for us to kind of continue to produce things at the rate we seem to produce things which doesn't always fit with like the larger album cycle
2: mm-hmm.
3: kind of realities and so we're kind of trying to figure out if there's some ways that we can do that in a in a way that yeah is a little bit more consistent or something and um yeah that's kind of yeah, so
0: yeah cool well that's uh it's super exciting whatever you guys do uh i'm always there for it um, is this uh, this documentary that you guys scored Jetty? Is that is that something that might come out uh, in a physical form, kind of like Crestone or uh, or the Inspection?
3: I'm not sure, actually. I mean, the the film director hasn't even really it hasn't even really hit festivals yet, so there's sort of like mm-hmm. a, it, w- it wouldn't make any sense to release it as a score until it becomes sort of a viable film on its own. Um, and the first process in trying to get to that place is just sending it out to festivals and having it play at some places and see if it gets picked up by a distributor or something. So there's a whole process he would have to go through first um, before that would even be a thing. But if it does, at some point I would hope so. It's certainly, I think that Brian and I feel um, pretty psyched about like what we made. And and uh, I think we like the idea of when we make scores to have them be something that's available for people in some form. Um, so yeah, but I don't think it'll be anytime soon just because yeah, like I said, it's he's got to go through the whole festival cycle and, and uh, that can take, you know, months or, you know, it might even be like a year or something. So, but
0: sweet. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm there for it. No matter what comes out, Um, you guys have done a fantastic job with, isn't it now this era of songs is just, I think like some of the most cohesive work that you guys have done as a band. And it really, really showcases all of your individual skills and everything that you bring to the table. Is that no music videos for this album? Are there going to be some music videos?
3: There's no music videos for this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm my answer for that will be pretty dissatisfying i think Um, (laughs) but it's they're just a weird thing i think we end up feeling like this weird tension between it being this thing we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and but it's always a it's a it's a budget thing and then you know the 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 truth is is i don't think we're always as satisfied with our videos as we want to be so there's Mm -hmm. sort of this thing of like we you know we. I think we've just kind of been a little like burned with the process a few times and for whatever reason this particular time around like there was it was very difficult to get any momentum going within the group for any enthusiasm and it just felt like anything you're going to do was going to just you know feel like destined to be a disappointment or something which is not a you don't want to make stuff that way so I, i you know I kind of i sort of wish there had been in the sense that like i totally get the purpose that they started and i know it gets people psyched but i just we just never it just never really materialized that's the Bad. best answer that i have it just kind of they just kind of they just kind of disappeared
0: um I, there's no there's not going to be a 22 minute short film for the music video of defeat
3: <laughs> no i mean I, there there could have been should have been i don't know but i don't know how <laughs> yeah it just it's just the idea of like how to, i mean it's certainly that idea came up but it just it's 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 a surprisingly winding and weird road between like having an idea like that and actually like you know figuring out how to how to how to fund it and budget it and and execute it and and do all of that in a way that feels like we're actually gonna be psyched about the end product it it just it's sometimes it yeah it just i think it just felt ultimately this time every time it came up, it just felt a little bit too daunting, which yeah feels a little weird to acknowledge, but it's 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 the only true answer I can give
0: so. Well, I, I appreciate the honesty with that. Um, but, you know, I think the music speaks for itself. So if uh, if it's audio that we have for for this, this album cycle, um, I think everyone's more than satisfied with that. Um, Josh, Deacon, I have to thank you immensely for taking the time to speak with me and, uh, you know, share your answers to my questions. Um, yeah nothing but love for you guys and uh, the band and and the music it's it's incredible i've been listening to you guys for over 20 years and uh am going to continue to and uh the fan base sometimes they're a little hardcore a little little nutty but uh we we all very much feel that the music you know hits some spot inside of us that really uh, you know I don't want to get too sappy, but I feel like you know, really, it it affects us all in a way that 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 brings the community together. It's it's a beautiful thing, you know. That's what I'm trying to say.
3: It, it's awesome. No, I'm 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 really I'm very appreciative of it, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys all exist. So thanks for thanks for caring so much, and absolutely thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it, Jordan. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, so there you have it. There you heard it uh, right here on a musician and a filmmaker podcast. That was Greg with his Brian Waits aka geologist interview me with josh dibb aka deacon join us next episode where we will be talking just greg and i about our thoughts on the new animal collective album isn't it now we'll go in depth um you know spoiler we love the album a lot but we'll really get into why that is so join us next time musician and filmmaker